Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nystrom Performance. Nystrom Performance is a quality-focused manufacturing outfit obsessed with creating traditionally styled, hard-to-find, top-notch hot rod components for your old-school freedom machines. Based out of Minnesota, all Nystrom Performance parts are American-made. Nystrom Performance, where quality meets tradition. Check them out at nystromperformance.com. The Model T set a standard in transportation. The Model A brought new efficiency and advance in engineering. And now, the V8. I was going to have to educate the high school on the subject of hot rods. How to take a jalopy and really make it move. All right, everybody. This is episode 13 of the Hot Rod Kid podcast. And it's actually Friday today. And it's Friday the 13th. So (laughs) my guest today... First, we have our first recurring guest, Joey. Uh, Joey Ucrop, last time he was on here, was with the Rodders Journal. Um, His journey's taken him some different places, and we'll get into that. And we also have a very special guest, a new guest that Joey brought along, who is Yama, and we'll get into that stuff as well. So, very excited for this episode, and I think you guys are going to like this one. So, first off, Joey, how have you been in the almost year that we've seen you? Oh man, what what a year it's been! I uh, there's been a lot of highs and lows, uh, changes, big things, little things, and all the things in between. But uh, it's been it's been a really good year. I I've been dedicating a lot of time to both kind of changing up and where I stand in the automotive world, uh, as well as I've been really putting the nose to the grindstone on the Model A Roadster project, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll probably get into a bit more later. Yep. But overall, you know. I got no complaints. I'm up here in Oregon again. It feels good to finally be back. Uh, and I'm really excited to see, you know, what we're going to do in this upcoming year. And mm-hmm. Yama has some big ideas for that too. So we'll move on over Jeff, to him. Yeah. Another thing, Yama, please introduce yourself and what you do, excuse me, your YouTube channel and everything for, for people who don't know what all you do. Like go ahead and tell us what you do. All right. So I'm Yama Azim and, uh, I am the founder and the owner of uh, Mazimoto. If you haven't heard of it, go follow us and go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, we have some pretty cool videos of Joey's hot rod build from the beginning, from when we went and picked it all up, and from where it is now. So, yeah, I build uh, custom motorcycles out of San Francisco, California, and choppers and Harley Davidsons and Honda CBs and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's some rad stuff. Like I first, like I said, I first found out about you from uh, watching or for, through Joey and watching the stuff that you had on there about Joey. And then I started watching all your other videos. And like I was telling you about, I can't, I just can't allow myself to get into bikes because <laughs> if I do, then I know it's just going to be all downhill from there. Well, seeing your shop and seeing what you've done with cars, I think applying that to motorcycles, you'll find that it's really fun. Oh, yeah. I know it will be fun. That's why I can't do it. (laughs) You just got to go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Especially around here. I mean, I feel like there's so many cool places to ride around and trails and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's this place, Eola Hills. It's Mm. a nice, curvy, fun road up to the hills. Farm country and wine country. That'd be... Every time I drive it, I'm like, man, this would be a fun place to take a bike on. Yeah. And I, I'd be pretty tempted to put some knobby tires on a bike around here to get off-road a little bit and get yeah. in the mud. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Early trial style. Oh, man. Scrambles. Like the field drags. That'd be a fun thing to add to the field drags. Oh, we, we talked about it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 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 No, yeah. No. So that's another thing. Um, You guys are in town for the field drags with Charlie Haskell, North Palm Speed. 
So um, we were here last year, and we had uh, Dad and I had the Roadster out there, the 28 Roadster. That was back when it was all stock. And now we're coming back. It's the Double Trouble Roadster. And another big interesting thing that's happening is Joey has his Roadster out here. So I want to tell us a little bit about the whole like journey from coming here. You're driving you know, everybody else's car and kind of checking out this whole hot rod thing. That was the first time we met. And then now you're here with your with your roadster. Full circle, mm-hmm. full circle. It's that's a great question. It's pretty amazing to look at uh, the journey that I mean. Again, this has been a big year for everybody, both with highs and lows. And for me, when I had come out here last October, I had only met Charlie through a phone call. Right. Actually, the funny story is that I think we touched upon it in the last podcast, where that I had bought my car the next day. The most perfect channel thirty thirty one comes up. And I see it and my heart sinks. I'm like, oh, I just bought my car. Maybe I can talk to whoever is on the other end of this phone number uh, and see if they'd be willing to trade. And we ended up talking, ended up being Charlie. And he ended up inviting me up to, he said, you got to come check out the car either way. But I ended up saying no, but he ended up inviting me up to the Harvest Drags last year. And I just went, I was shooting it for Rotter's Journal at the time. And I showed up there and I didn't know, I, t- I only knew Charlie from that phone call. I knew no people there. But I walked up and I was, you know, shooting with, I had my cameras out. I was shooting photos. It was a perfect weather day and watching all those cars roll out there to the starting line was a pretty big moment. Uh, and it's something that, you know, a, a lot of events these days are working really hard to curate the scene to, or the, the backdrop. Cause you know, you can get a show, you can get a show with a lot of traditional cars, but to have a traditional backdrop with it, that's something that Charlie uh, and Kelly have worked really hard to make sure that not only have traditional cars, but traditional cars in a traditional setting. So anyway, uh, last year I was there as a photographer, uh, and a lot of people said, hey, what are you doing? You got a Model A, right? I said, yeah, because I had just gotten it running. It didn't have doors. It didn't have a floor. It literally just ran. There were, had no other elements to it. And they said, you got a Model A? <clears throat> Drive my car. So I drove everything from a you know Riley overhead equipped uh, 2829 Roadster. I remember that one. That was the first one I rode, and that had a... Uh, yeah, I had 39 gears and then in that trans and it was just jamming. It felt so good to drive that car. And then I went through and I got to drive the Dirty Bird and that was a game changer. That is the most badass. Although it's, it might be a battle for the most badass banger powered with your dad's car out there this year. But that that's a over 100 mile an hour banger that Charlie's driven that car to Southern California. So anyway, I got to drive all these cars and I just left with that on that high note that I said, I will be back next year with my car. And when you went, was that the first, like, had you driven your car before? I had driven it around the block. And I think people didn't really gather that I had, I mean, I've been writing out these cars for a long time, but I had never, like, raced or really. Yeah, but there's also the fact that, yeah, you might not have driven them before, but like how you said you wrote about them. Yeah. We had talked in the last podcast. You were still very, very knowledgeable about the, about, and I, and when I first talked to you and first met you, that was one of the things that I noticed about you. You were very knowledgeable and knew what you were talking about. What were you saying? You. Oh, before that was that green Model A that we went to. Oh, that's true. Santa Cruz, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if we want to backtrack a second, I had driven just... You know, you have these, Yam and I were talking on the, on our very quick drive up here. Uh, how many days? Uh, so we were talking on our drive up that there are those days that you have a vision of how you think it's going to end and literally nothing goes to plan. And then you take a step back. You're like, 
that day couldn't have gone any better. We had gone to look at a 30 Model A Roadster. It was green. It was full fender. It was a restored car. Oh boy. It was, it was expensive. And that thing was tired. The starter stuck, the motor knocked, Yama and I went underneath and the wishbone was not even attached. Uh, (laughs) So finger tight. It was terrible. So I, I had driven that Model A and realized it was not a good Model A. And then I had driven my car, but other than that, I mean, getting to come out here to race was uh, such a big moment for me and where it made me see like what is possible with these cars. So I basically took that fire from that event and I took that right home to the garage and I literally started hanging doors and building pieces and hopping up the motor and breaking stuff. And uh, so I've spent the last literally since then been working on that car in that garage. And, you know, I said the goal is to bring it back here and you know, Yama was you nice are, enough yeah. to come along with me and you're enough, nice enough to host Well, it's us like and... I was saying, dude, when I saw the car, I was like, for real, it's like meeting a celebrity, man. Because I've followed this car for so long. I've been seeing all the building process that you've been doing to it. And now here I am. Like, it was it was seriously seeing you guys pull up tonight and like at the shop and with the roadster on the back, it was like, dude, there it is. There it, is. It, it was pretty, pretty rad. And then getting to cruise the roadsters around tonight too like that was that and and then we also you guys will see them on instagram you guys have probably already seen them but all the shots that we have of both the roadsters in there oh, dude it's awesome it's so crazy because that car i know of one other guy with a model a roadster in san francisco it's a 29 on deuce rails flat the flathead but just to see another early style roadster with mine mm-hmm. that's very similar in a lot of ways, very different. And right. it's so much fun to have. And I can't wait to line them up yeah. next to each other in the daylight yes. tomorrow and see them both. And I know that car, so the green car, Double Trouble, really. So it's a 28 Roadster. And yep. it it definitely it struck Yama when he saw it. He said, that's how you do yep. cars. So Yama, how did it feel to see a car? Because you haven't really seen that style of Roadster in person, not, not very frequently or ever, right? I think the only two that I've seen is yours and the one that we went and checked out. And so yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. so you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of that style tomorrow, and then we'll we'll get you racing double trouble. The good, see, That'd we'll get we'll get you in we'll get you in double trouble, and then you can race Joey and his roadster oh, or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have some racing background. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the color of of double trouble and like just the whole setup of it is like exactly how I've dreamed about building right. a hot rod, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you know, the Harley Davidsons that I've, I've put together. like See, and I've seen the work that you do with your bikes, and that's exactly the type of, they're, that's that's the same hot rod spirit that we put into yeah, our cars. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And, I mean, Yama and I always talk about that carryover between, you know, the hot rod thing and the chopper thing where there's so many elements about mm-hmm. them that, I mean, you know, all of us can look at a car or a bike and say that has the look or that doesn't have the look. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, I uh, like the way the lines work and the way the line, the lines work on a model a roadster. I mean, when you get it sitting right and you have, um, as me with a stock high car, but I'm just kidding. Uh, when you have it, sitting, but you have your, your big and little, right? Ex- yeah. yeah, exactly. When you have stuff sitting a certain way, whether it's a panhead chopper or it's a model a roadster, uh, you see it and you know, and I think as a, as a group. And I think, mm-hmm. cause we've been studying this stuff for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's also the culture behind it, mm-hmm. I think as well. You know what I yeah. mean? Kind of that, just kind of that like attitude of like the whole painting it, you know, it's especially nowadays it's rebellious to not paint your car. People are like, Oh, this guy must just be poor. He can't afford. And it's like, no, 
even yeah. if I had all the money in the world. I don't want to. I don't want to paint it. I want to leave it exactly the way it is, with your whole galvanized look and everything. And you're like, I was gonna paint it, but then I'm like, nah. We were, we were parked out front of the high low cafe, and this real nice couple comes by, and they say, "Well, when are you gonna paint? You got it. This car needs <laughs> right. paint. The wheels they look okay, but it's gotta be painted." And I said. The, I, and I said, I'm never going to That's another it. thing. I just told them that. And they, were, they were like, Now that you brought okay. it up, let's take a second to talk about your wheels. Because that was <laughs> that was the first thing when you guys pulled up. The first thing I noticed was like, the, dude, these wheels. And then when my dad came back to the shop, the first thing my dad says is, dude, these wheels. And uh, so tell us about your wheels. Oh, man. Well, this the story of these wheels uh, actually started at the Race Gentleman Santa Barbara Drags. Uh, I had seen... Uh, this guy's roadster. He goes by 13 clicks on Instagram. It's the stripe. The jailbird roadster is a 28, 29 is 28. I think, uh, and he had built a model, a high boy kind of like mine, but it had steel wheels on it. And I was like, I, I was like, Oh man, like I gotta put steelies. I'm going to build my roadster. I'm gonna put steelies on it. This is how it's going to go. The more I looked, the more I figured out that wasn't really going to work. You had to use the 35 wires. And the day that that hit me, I was excited. I already bought adapters from him actually off that car, which is funny. Cause he's going AV8. I said, oh man, I got to find these wheels. And in my usual way of doing things, I immediately panicked. And I was like, I need to get 35 Ford wires right now. And of course, because they're from 1935, you can't just snap your fingers and they don't show up. So I put a want ad on Craigslist. And lo and behold, later that day, uh, a gentleman up in uh, the North Bay area in San Francisco, um, he's by San Rafael said he had two original paint uh he said he said come on out and get them uh and really he was always been larkspur so i went up there and i got the wheels he had an amazing black locker 34 ford gave me an okay a pretty good deal on the wheels original yellow paint so i get those two i have two wheels i gotta have i want to have five because i want to have a spare I and i so i had two and i felt really good i thought they were straight they were fine I look on Craigslist, I, you know, two days pass. And of course that's too much time for me. And I say, Oh, I got to keep looking. And I look up, uh, there's a Craigslist ad of a guy selling a model, a pickup, just the carcass of it. And I look in the back, the front of the truck has, I think one or two 35 Ford wires on it. I'm like, Oh, he might have more. He's down in Morgan Hill. His name's Rick. And he does a Craigslist ad. Like the ones we always make fun of. We're like, I know what I got. There's, right. These are the parts. This you is see. what you could build with yeah. this. He's like, there are no extras and absolutely no texts. Scammers go away. I will not reply to any texts. So I'm like, okay, let me call him. I call him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got, I want to sell it all a lot, but I, I do have some wheels out back. I sandblast a long time ago. Let me text you some photos of them. So here's no text Rick. <laughs> All of a sudden, changing his like, mind, like blowing up my phone up with pictures, like yeah, thirty pictures of thirty-five Ford wires. Right. So I end up, I end up rolling down there, and we end up uh, going in the dark using phone flashlights out behind some lot. You know, two and a, uh, like two hours south of my house. I end up getting three wheels from him for like. 50 they're maybe they're 20 bucks they're so cheap and i got them and you know what? those ended up being the straightest ones from him nice. not the original planes nice. I, so i get those i get them sandblasted which i've never got anything sandblasted we sandblast them and then i i go to i make sure i get the four straightest ones and then i say all right i really think this car because the car is originally gonna be black so that black copper wheels black walls hubcaps it's gonna be the right look 
Uh, and I ended up finding like an automotive, like literally at O'Reilly's, like a duplicolor type paint. So I did metal. So was, they were bare metal. Then I did metal etching primer, red oxide primer to get that kind of red undertone. And I just did orange and then I did clear. And it, they just kind of, I mean, I built, I grew up building model cars. So I, I applied everything I knew about model car building. That <laughs> You're paint. like, listen, I'm a rattle can. I'm expert, a rattle can. Okay? And, and just to have that big blue tarp out in yeah. front of my, like in my driveway, I might front of the house in San Francisco where you're just like painting 35 hard wire wheels. I remember like being up in our upstairs, like looking down on the wheels, making sure no like debris blew on them and stuff And the way they turned out. Uh, thank you guys. It really surpassed. It, expectations. it totally pops with the whole galvanized yeah. body that you have. It almost thank looks you. like it's powder coated. That's everybody said. Everybody said, yeah, I yeah. thought they yeah. were powder coated. And then my dad thought they were powder coated yeah. and you were like everybody before my dad came and said, are they powder coated? You said everybody thinks they're powder coated. My yeah. dad shows up and goes, "Are they powder coated?" And you're like, "Everybody thinks they're powder coated." <laughs> yeah. So, so depending on the editing of this podcast, we're actually going to say, "Joey, tell me about the wheels," and I'll say they're powder coated, and then we do next one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Skip a whole big portion of it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the story on the wheels. I uh, and I, I'm really stoked because I, I I at first I wasn't a big fan of 35 Ford wires. I like this nowadays. I like I love the straight spokes. I think they work yeah. for a car. They they're the only wheel I'd run in that car. Right. In this version. All right. So Yama, we talked. So we uh, tried to get some domino situation going up in here. They had a two hour wait. So then we're like, hey, we're going to go to Little Caesars. Right. And so on the way to Little Caesars, I was like, I was like, Yama, tell me a little bit about yourself <laughs> and everything. And then this dude goes off and like tells this whole story that I'm like, OK, well, you were supposed to save all this good stuff for the podcast. Yeah, you asked me. <laughs> but, but we ended yeah. up getting some free Little Caesars because they were closed. But uh, anyways, Back to what we were talking about in the car. Tell us about your whole story of uh, M- Mazimoto and all the all the stuff that you you went through to get to where you are now. Yeah. So I mean, my entire life, I've I've worked on cars. I grew up working on cars, and my first car was a '87 BMW 325, and it was just hot rotted out. Basically, when I sat in Joey's car yesterday and we rode down the street, I felt how I felt when I first sat in my first car and drove down the street open headers and it was just the loudest thing and no interior you know so i think this hot rod thing really resonates with me because of that but um that's how i kind of got my start and i've been working on cars for 10 15 years now i want to say um and i started working at a company a little while back that was all about motorcycles and i think i saw my first chopper then and i was into the cafe racer thing and uh, who wasn't, you know? Yep. Mac DeMarco and Mac, Cafe Racers. That's right. right? Hey. Uh, but, and one day, this guy rolls up on his CB350, just this trash CB350. No, I'm just kidding. It, wasn't <laughs> uh, it was a pretty cool one. And uh, it had knobby tires. And, you know, he walks in Joey Ucrop. And, you know, I start asking him questions about it. And at the time, I had a chance to get um, this random Yamaha from some guy that I was helping him work on his car. And, um, he was like, you know, if you want to just take the bike for payments, basically, I said, okay, but now I got to figure out how to get it back home. Cause it's been sitting here in his garage for 10 years now. So, um, Joey and I get to talking and this is the first time I'm meeting Joey and <laughs> 10 minutes in <laughs> 10 minutes in, you know, I'm asking him about his bike and how he got it here. He's like, Oh, I brought it on my truck. And I was like, Oh, you have a truck. <laughs> Nobody really has a truck in the city, you know? And, um, so I was like, Hey, would you be interested in helping me go grab my first bike this, this afternoon? And he was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, let's do that. So I get his number and I call him later in the day and we go pick it up. So 
Fast. So this this relationship was started on, hey, will you come drive with me to make a poor financial decision? <laughs> like, it's just exactly, like, let's go yeah. buy a bunch of stuff. Because from what I've seen of all your guys' YouTube stuff is like, all right, we're going on a road trip to go buy something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's out there and you just got to go yeah, get it. You, know? right. you get the best deals by driving the furthest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being willing, I uh-huh. guess. No um, lie, and having a truck. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean that kind of kickstarted it all, and that next or that summer, I started working at a summer camp by Yosemite, and um, one of the guys there had a CT90, and um, which is like a little Honda trail bike, and he was like, "Yeah, you want to ride it around?" I rode it around, and it was the most fun I've ever had on a bike, you know. And um, before that, my only experience on a motorcycle was a Yamaha R1, which like they're freaking crazy and i don't really like crotch rockets you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i rode the ct90 i had the most fun and towards the end of the summer camp he came up to me and said hey so i have another one of these with an extra motor um i've got two motors one's the transmission works the motor's messed up the other the motor works the transmission's messed up so you kind of have to like put them together it's like okay sounds good and he was like i'll just give it to you so I stuffed it in the back of my sedan and <laughs> drove back home, you know, and uh, that was my second bike. And I started working on those two. And then the whole cafe racer thing came in play and I bought my third bike. And um, yeah, that's kind of what started it all. And I slowly got my roommates into it and, you know, they they caught the bug because of me and I, I try and, you know, get everybody that's around me into whatever I'm into. So I'm not the only one. I have other people. I would never do something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so I, you know, my roommate, he was like, yeah, I kind of want a bike. And I was like, what do you want? You know? And he told me and I was like, well, I found one on Craigslist right now in your price range. Let's go pick it up. And that was the second time that I saw Joey because I called (laughs) him and was like, hey, do you have a motorcycle (laughs) ramp I can borrow? Was it, was it a piece of wood? I think it was a piece of wood at that time. Was it? I think because I put a, I put a, it two, was, it had the two like yeah. bolts in the end of it because I hadn't bought that ramp yet. Right. Literally, he drove to my house. <laughs> hey, can I borrow your piece of wood? I'm yeah. t- on the top of this hill in San Francisco <laughs> on a foggy Friday night, yeah. and Yama comes by, and I'd like seen him like once before then. And then this other guy, Dan, who's one of his roommates and one of our other best friends, they come up in their Sonoma and they borrow this piece of wood. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and so we went and got that bike, and, you know, it just started from there. And, you know, fast forward a few more months, and I got my first Harley-Davidson at the time. Um, I got my other roommate, Mike, who's now my business partner. Uh, I t- He was like, yeah, I've always wanted a motorcycle. And I told him, okay, so well, there's, there's these two Sportsters. One runs, and the other doesn't. They're both around $2,000. One's 2200 the other's 2000 and um i was like i'm gonna go check them both out most likely gonna buy one of them and at the time he said well i have 2200 from like my tax return i'll just give it to you i trust you so i ended up going by myself and bought both of these sportsters came back with them and we have a photo of both of these bikes sitting in our driveway and we're both just staring at them like which ones do we want you know (laughs) (laughs) and he ended up getting the one that was running and that kind of just kick-started the whole thing so you know, we started building them and started changing everything about them. And um, around that time, Joey got his Triumph back into the city. And um, he had this idea of like, guys, I'm going to build this Triumph. And, you know, I want your help. And at this point, 
I had gotten a welder and, you know, a few tools in the shop and I had all my car tools at that point. And we put together this like terrible, like garden bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I, rotten wood. Yeah. Like everything's like not even. Like not it's so rick everything's so rickety. It would like go back and forth. Everybody's like turn the wrench. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so I had one of my chopper projects on there and Joey brings over his iron or his uh triumph frame and we start throwing that together. And I wanna say that's kind of when the whole like Mazimoto thing came about. Um it just kind of started with like us friends hanging out doing what we are interested in doing what we love to do and kind of just channeling our energy into these old pieces of crap, you know, and trying to make them into something that we can show off to our friends and yep. ride around the city and have a good time and, you know, just really be creative and in, in one way or another, you know, and just show people what we can do. Um, and yeah, it kind of just took off from there and, you know, I started designing T-shirts and kind of just throwing them. Yeah, that was one thing. Your hoodie. Are you, do you have those for sale? Yeah. Yeah. So the hoodie that I saw, super rad, super rad hoodie. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where I at the clothing company I was working at, um, I wasn't really happy with paying 30, 40 bucks for T-shirts that I was kind of cool with. You know, like I kind of like the designs. And so I started making my own designs and. Uh, you know, my whole idea was I want to make sure it's that I want to rep, you know? Yes, and... I agree. And for me, <clears throat> and I'm sure you guys are on the same page, I would so much rather be repping like a Mazimoto or like one of my friends that I have, like yeah. local supporting their business. 100%. Yeah. And and so like shout out to Manu 3 Pedals out there. Um, He sent me a, from Germany. Dude, it was so cool. I got this whole DHL package from Germany. Oh, nice. Sent me all these t-shirts and stickers and everything. And it was all just whatever cost he paid for it. Like he's not marketing. He's like, hey, here's how much it, you know. And I will wear a Mono 3 pedal shirt any day over some big company. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's, yeah. it's my buddy down it, in Germany. You it's, know? It's, it's interesting to see. Because uh, basically, the story goes that the rise of the graphic tee was Ed Big Daddy Roth when he started airbrushing shirts. When they were in the cover of Sports Illustrated with those airbrush shirts, that's when that kind of blew up. And that's... Yeah. Then you see all the hot rod manufacturers. Because everybody wore... I mean, what? The John Milner. Mm-hmm. White t-shirt, yep. jeans, cigarettes in the sleeve. That's what everybody wore. But when Roth started airbrushing, people said, hey, we can put graphics on shirts. Iski started doing it. Mm-hmm. Schieffer started doing it. Uh, I mean, all these brands. That's something that I've noticed as well. And maybe this is just because I'm kind of like just in the culture and I just don't notice anything. But to me, hot rod t-shirts is a super big part of the culture. Like kind of like nothing else really is. All these other little subcultures that you have of you know, certain things that people are into for some reason, having hot rod t-shirts or sweatshirts, it's kind of a weird niche of a thing. It seems like that's mm. unique to hot rodding that you rep your buddy's hot rod shop or your favorite magazine or whatever. Cause yeah. to me, I just, when I try and think about other things that people are into, yeah, look at this. <laughs> I, I can't really think of anything to where it's that type of thing where you're hot rod. It's almost like band t-shirts. I was going to say, I feel like yeah. it falls yeah. on the yeah. cult level of band t-shirts. Yes, totally. I agree. Because because you're wearing you're wearing a hop-up t-shirt or whatever magazine, you know, Rodder's Journal, and you're like, oh, dude, you know, he's he's one of us. Yeah, you know? that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think the fact about, like, being in the open and seeing, you know, even a fellow, somebody wearing a, a, a turd, not a fe- as in a fellow, as in a man, but no, like, a, seeing a person wearing 
a hot rod t-shirt like, at the grocery store and you yeah. know you could come up to them and be like what are you working on so like that's what's going how, on that's how i first met kurt west who we bought the roadster from yeah, and yeah. on the podcast and yeah. everything i was working it i had just gotten back from basic training i was 19 working at wilco at the time daily driving my 57 f100 and this guy comes in with this big long beard and he's got i forget it was some type of hot rod t-shirt and i remember that i saw him with a big long beard and a hot rod t-shirt and i'm like that that dude's a hot rodder so he goes up to like the oldest dude in the store and he goes hey is that your 57 f100 <laughs> and the guy goes no it's actually the youngest kid in the store is this yes. guy over here <laughs> and so that was the first time i met kurt west he's like hey i like your pickup and everything and we ended up chatting a little bit and i was like i thought you were a hot rodder i saw the big beard and yeah. hot, but it, like you're saying you know it's like oh he's one of us that's a, yeah. that's a, that's exactly right and i think there's no particular look that defines a hot rodder but at the same time, like at sometimes, like you know, when, you're like yeah. Some when I was working at Davison's, I had cuffed up jeans, and this old guy Al, who's an old time hot rod, would come in all the time, and my coworkers like, hey, look, he has cuffed jeans, and you have cuffed jeans. I'm like, dude, it's the hot rodder look, hot rodder yeah. look right there. <laughs> yep, that's just so like fun. motorcycles with like engineer boots. That's exactly uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. exactly right. Or completely destroyed mock toed. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you get those resold, Joey? Oh, no. I, I still haven't. <laughs> yeah, Actually, I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that, too. I was like, as far as like, I don't, I'm not super well-versed in motorcycle culture, but I was thinking about how your kind of destroyed toe from shifting and everything is probably, yeah. that's probably kind of like a badge the, of honor, isn't it? The oil-stained no. boots. Kind of like, like, <laughs> like oh, this. Crap. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yama had a run-in with his primary on his bike the other day. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Open primary. Open primary. Chewed up my boot a Open little bit. Right. I, that was fun. <laughs> but but I really, going back to the shirt thing, like, yeah, my favorite shirts I wear, I think every shirt I brought this weekend, and it's like, are ones from people I care about uh, and the fact that I can rep their brand. I mean, I, I've worn the Mazimoto shirt on, I wore it at Trog mm-hmm. when I was out there, and I, you know, make sure to, at RPM National, you know, all these things, like wearing these brands, and I wear right. the Hot Rod Kid shirt to Michigan. Yeah. I've done all this stuff where, like, it's just so much fun to be able to be like, if somebody, you know, everybody always worries when you're a band shirt, they say, name three songs that you know. And right. like, yeah. you know, you think it's like this test, but it's like, I just always hope that somebody's like, what is that shirt with that roadster? What is HRK design? You can right. say, oh, that's one of my really good right. friends up in Oregon. Or like, what is Mazimoto? That's, like, that's, yeah. that's the exact reason why I wanted one of your sweatshirts or t-shirts. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, yeah. And I got, I got to get you an HRK design shirt yeah. too. But that's, that's the exact reason is cause it's like, oh, that's my buddy. That's my buddy Yama, yeah. you know, down in San Francisco, yeah. you know, because it's like, it's almost like, um, for me at least, it's almost like I get a little bit excited that I get to like brag on my friends of a little course. bit, That's you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, what's with the Rotter's journal stuff? It's like, right. Oh, it's cause my buddy, right. my buddy Joey, you know, <laughs> or like, Oh, what's, what's this Mazimoto? Oh, it's, yeah. you know, you get to brag on your friends and totally. I get excited about that. Yeah. yeah. That's what and it's, it's all about. about interest. Right. I yeah. mean, if I'm interested in hot rods, I'm going to wear a Rotter's journal shirt. Exactly. Or right. Like yeah. You know, to support my buddies. So <laughs> yep. that's kind of how the brand started. It was like, well, I just want to make t-shirts and I just want to, you know, promote myself in this way. And then it started going into blogs and stuff. And I, I made a few blogs and, um, for years and years I had been watching YouTubers and I kind of just, you know, saw the whole YouTube universe and just normal guys like me. And I, and I got a lot of motivation from a few skateboard YouTubers that were making their own companies and doing their own things basically. And, um, they were successful and they were working really hard every single day, you know, to make this dream come true. And I studied the hell out of those guys and 
was like, what are they doing? What can I do better to make my brand better? What were you doing before, if you don't mind sharing, what were you doing before you went into your whole Mozzie moto thing? So I worked in coffee for a really long mm-hmm. time. Um, there were a bunch of shops that I applied for, and I used to work at a BMW dealership for a while and doing oil changes and stuff. Um, and I went to school to be a BMW technician. Um, and I went back to coffee shops after that because the, the more I talked to technicians, they just kind of warned me against it and just told me, like, this is not what you want to do, man. Like, mm-hmm. you like to work on old BMWs. You're not going to be doing that here. Right. You know, so I kind of steer clear of that. That's that's kind of how I, when I was kind of job searching, I was kind of thinking about maybe going into welding or fabrication. But really, yes, I absolutely love welding and fabrication when it's on old stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I hear that for sure. So I worked in coffee for, I don't know, probably five or six years. And um, through watching these YouTubers, it kind of motivated me to say, like, well, if that guy can do it, why can't I? Right. You know, and. I started learning Illustrator and Adobe Premiere and like all of these programs that you kind of needed to learn. And I've I've been making videos for my whole life, you know, skateboarding, growing up skateboarding in Arizona. We just, I just had my camera around all the time and I would make videos almost every day. Um, And that kind of carried over into like the whole motorcycle thing. And I think Joey made like the first couple videos and I saw the style and I was like, this is actually really cool, you know? And like being able to tell our stories of just like we're just Joe Nobodies in our garage building these mm-hmm. random bikes, you know, like and you get to come on Joe Nobody's podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. um, and it's Wait, just I know like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so it it goes kind of like if somebody's gonna watch this and get entertainment from it. Yeah, and also I make this video now in twenty years. I look back on my life. Exactly. And not only that, but your kids, your grandkids, they're right. going to look, oh, what was grandpa doing back in 2021? Exactly. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's just like that, your podcast and it's just like the magazines uh-huh. and the yep. build thread and all that stuff. Uh, where we're, I mean, here I have a, you know, 1963 September hot rod magazine in front of me uh, that Noah passed my way. I, and to think that there's, that this was hit. This is the history that we're building. Car, you know, we're building a little bit of early style in '63. But like, the fact that there's history in there that we're still reading about. I'm not saying that we're making history because that sounds way too conceited. But at the same time, we're doing what we can to document where we are right now. Right. Because Yama and I have had this conversation a lot. Where even when you look back a year ago, like look, even a year ago when my car had no doors, no floor, had an updraft intake, and I was at the harvest drags, I said next year I'm gonna bring it back, and I know. And one year from right now, we're going to look back and be like, remember (laughs) what we had that year? And we're going to say like, look at this crazy stuff. And that's what's super fun. It's always, you know, me with my background in journalism, I love documenting stuff. And I think that it's so much fun to be able to learn and be able to look back and laugh or look back and smile or look back and be like, what was I thinking? And then (laughs) uh, with, whether it's with business or with projects uh, or with where you were at in life. And I think that's so much fun well you have to think about like all of the all of the guys that aren't in the magazines you know like the guys that didn't get enough publicity to be in the magazines what were they doing and that's i love date so that's with my recent we're 
most recent stuff in the Rotter's Journal towards the end, I worked really hard. And I still do the Jalopy Journal to dig up those cars that either were in like the reader's rides or even the friend of the guys in reader's rides where like it was some guy who was doing what we're doing, chipping away in the backyard. And it wasn't right. the car. Like it was someone who was working as hard as I could. I had think no that's, that's where we just out of complete dumb luck just being born when we were are fortunate to have the whole social media thing right. that's exactly listen, right i wouldn't know about you i mean i would probably know about you because you came to the field drags but it's like the all these connections and all these friends that i've made and all these people that i know i wouldn't know about them right because if it wasn't for social media because if you're not magazine material that doesn't mean you're not doing some super rad stuff right. that's exactly you know? right yeah. yeah and what's interesting is the people who we were talking about this also who don't have any social media either. And we know that there's amazing hot rod builders mm-hmm. and chopper builders and collectors out there who we don't even know. I mean, like yeah. they're, yeah. they're out there. They could be right. 15 miles from here. Well, right. Charlie, Charlie probably knows them, but you know, yeah. Something that we were kind of talking about in the car ride here was like, I personally struggle with oversharing and undersharing. Right. So there are certain projects that I've done in completion. I haven't shared a single bit of it. You know, until it's that's done. Right. That's right. And I drop that bomb and I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking this about. This is what I've been working on. And I'm like, so proud of it. But then it's like the process of it is so important to me that I should have shared that. Oh man, yeah. I didn't share yeah. that. Yeah, that's I exactly look back right. two years from now and it's like, and then there's those other projects where like for me, it was working on the double trouble roadster with my right. dad to where it was just like every single post that you saw for like a solid two months was that car yeah, exactly. and i was like i feel like i'm kind of like nauseating you guys with just the same thing over and over again yeah. but it's like that's like where my biggest interest is in right now is right. working and, on this specific project it, and i have a feeling that i mean as your friend i can say like i super enjoyed every double trouble post so then i could see double trouble today i'm like holy shit here it is mm-hmm. you know and i had a good idea of what to know what to know what to look for and i think that that is something that's really hard though it's like yeah you got to remember that like People don't like shit. They'll unfollow you. All right. See yeah, you later. Right. Right. You know? Right. Like, but I, I mean, also, I think that's why your car has such a big following now is because you've documented it so well and have told the stories right. that like people, if they aren't experiencing that themselves, they're experiencing it through you now. Thanks. You know? Yeah. That... I also do think though, that there is something to be said about kind of holding back intentionally a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what we did with the double trouble roadster for for a while there if you look at posts that i put of the double you were the only one who saw one of the very very people who saw the motor and even then my dad didn't want to share with you all was under the beach towel yeah it was under the beach towel and if you look yeah yeah it was like some butterflies or something something really fun but if you look if you look back to instagram posts i made i very very intentionally but didn't point out the fact that i would cut off the double trouble roadster just at the engine and because i wanted to share the whole process of everything else i shared the frame the wheels Mm -hmm. the tires everything else we were doing except for the motor which is what the whole birth of double trouble was and just you know even before it was double trouble and so i think there is also something to be said like you said of kind of almost the undersharing because i think it also almost kind of creates this hype because I feel totally. like if we would have built this motor and just documented the whole process, it still would have been interesting, but it wouldn't have been anything like all of a sudden on a Tuesday, you're just like, oh yeah, here's this wicked motor. Yeah, that, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And the fact that you run that full hood on it too, like, you know, tomorrow you're going to lift that. Right. People are going to be like, 
what? Yeah, yeah. It's what just is... kind of the the subtleness of like exactly. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I I totally appreciate that, and I think it's really important to pick the medium that you share. And we were having this conversation as well earlier, where like there's some mediums that work well towards long form storytelling, and there's others that don't. And I think it's about picking your con like all the three of us. I think we get along very well uh, in a lot of ways. And I think all of us also are in. We all produce content. That's mm-hmm. I guess the technical term for what we're doing, but honestly, we're content creators. Content creators. Content dude. creators. Hey, you will respect me and address me as an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> you might be under the influence. <laughs> Speaking of which, I this is like the last podcast. I really got to go pee. All right. Should Yama and I just talk amongst ourselves? <laughs> so, what are your plans with your panhead that you're going to build in oh, well, the next year? Oh, that's a great question, Yama. I. Uh, I really like to do a traditional like mid 60s style. I'm not really going to re, you know, reinvent the wheel in any way, but it'll be you know straight leg frame or wishbone. Uh, yeah, I like to do a straight leg frame. Uh it's going to be candy orange like Bob Rothenberg's 32 Ford. Uh it's going to be pan motor, ratchet top trans, jockey shift. I uh, I would like to do a chrome springer on it, probably a repop chrome springer. But I have a couple of surprises with the paint that I'll break out later, uh, but it's going to be, you know, nothing that's too crazy, but it, it's not, not going to be anything super out of the ordinary, but at the same time, the fact that it's going to be a bike that we built is going to, what's going to make it really fun where it's like, it might not break any that, oh, we'll find a couple rules to break, but it's not going to break a lot of rules, but at the same time, the fact that it's going to be in my garage is going to be the most fun part about it, I think. And we're going to have a lot of fun and I'm going to rip it everywhere. No, I think based on the attention to detail that you've, put into every single project the panhead's gonna be one of those mind-blowing moments where people are gonna see that bike and be like holy shit i say which garage do you haul that one out of you know <laughs> um oh we need to plug in this macbook oh shit we're at 12 percent right you guys can talk all right yeah top oh you got it <laughs> okay i uh, and we'll see if we can have David Bright uh, build the motor on it. And then it'll be, uh, yeah. he and I can work together on that. And then it'll be really cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so Yama in the wheelhouse, bikes, what's next? What's your next? 1947 knucklehead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, maybe, I don't you know. Sh- you should talk about your, uh, your 59, 58, your XL H project. Oh, XL CH project. Uh, so I got this random... Uh, 1959 Harley I always think it's a 58 I don't know why <laughs> Yeah I, You say that so casually It's just this random 59 Harley well, It kind of it, was It's <laughs> random because One of my buddies Posted it like one day And He posted it for $600 And it was Just the motor in the frame And the motor was kind of botched Where It was a You know 59 XLCH bottom end But it had 1000 CC jugs and heads Which is like 70s yeah yeah it's kind of weird you know and um he ended up for 600 bucks so i bought it and i have a 68 xlch um that i'm kind of doing in a i would say like a northern california style maybe where it's like kind of a six over front end 2118 that's the only thing that's not northern california Mm -hmm. about it um but joey found these amazing tins on craigslist he's letting me use and um it's very much old flamed old cracked old flame lacquer really were these the ones you picked up different ones okay different ones yeah for the xlc yeah for the no that's the other 
sports vintage sports routines we picked up yeah. with also old flame paint so you're in on the Oregon, yeah. In Oregon. <laughs> yeah, when you were getting your, um, yeah, your frame. Yeah, so that's for his other XLCH. So I kind of have, like, <laughs> I have pairs of bikes going on right now where I have my 97 Sportster that I did, like, really clean paint on. And then I have my Sunset Shovel that has really clean paint. Those two kind of sit together really well. They, they match each other. And then I have my pan head that's, like, super crusty, like, looks like a survivor and it's like super it kinda, super I mean, kinda is, it is a survivor yeah. Yeah. but it's super crusty and the, the 68 xlch is super crusty so those two kind of like match each other really well one's a swing arm one's a hardtail same with my shovel head and my other sports or one's a swing arm one's a hardtail and then i got this um 1942 um 45 wlc that's a chrome frame which is insane and it came with like this crazy long Springer, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to like a Trog style bike, and and, and race it here next year, and hopefully race yes. it next year. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll have the the Ironhead there as well. Yeah, and so I kind of wanted to do like a pair of two bikes since I got this 58. I wanted to do a pair of two two like race style old Harley Davidson bikes that match together in a way that like one's chrome frame with like you know custom gas tanks that are really tiny tank shift and springer front end and the other is going to be the 58 with a kr style hardtail and you know 1918 high shoulder wheels with like what is it um k model front wheel and like you know just really rare bits that are hard to find what except for when you go to the swap meet and you find the yama's <laughs> Does one of the best parts hunters I've met in my entire life. Uh, you just gotta look for it. I, I look too. I guess I, I only I only find triumph parts. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's I'm not that guy, but there are some people out there that, like you said, just crazy parts Sniff hunters. Them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've just gotten lucky, honestly. That's what it is. But it's just like at Little Caesars, you know. You just gotta ask. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it. tell Joey, tell quick, quick little. <laughs> Side story. story. Tell the tell us the little Caesar story we about already, Joey swindling this guy. We already, we, already, we, already, we already told the little Caesar story once on this podcast. I think. Yeah, but tell it from your perspective. <laughs> this guy says, "Hey, we're closed. You're not getting. You're not getting food." And Joey pulls out this crisp twenty dollar bill. Next thing you know, there's you food. know technically no. free food. <laughs> well, well, you know, you see, Noah. I I think you got the order of the story a bit off. There was no money presented until the pizza <laughs> would, had arrived. Okay, and, and that's I true. And, and I so yeah. Growing up in Michigan, I we love Little Caesars pizza. We just do. For those who watched the Mazimoto Born Free trip, they know we love Little Caesars pizza. Uh, and Rainier. And Rainier. And, and, you know and, Joey's and, in and, town when we're drinking I, Rainier. That's right. We got we got a Rainier <laughs> on tap. Everything's all good. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we were gonna go eat some dinner. Uh, Yam and I have been on the road all day. Rolled to the, to the Caesars and it was nine oh six. Unfortunately, they closed at nine. But the drive through, which they had a drive through, but it's a drive through. But it's, it's like, a drive up, drive not a drive through. This whole thing is mind blowing. Still, it's hard to process. <laughs> so, there's not a window. There's a they, door. They pump your gas in <laughs> yeah. Oregon. They pump the gas up. as we gave the pizza. <laughs> uh, so they opened the door and I said, they said, hey, sorry, we're closed. And I said, well, do you have any like leftovers in the back or whatever? And the guy says, all right, uh, let me check. Time passes. We don't know. We're going to have to think of plan C for dinner. He's like, yeah, you know, I got, I got a pepperoni, a stuffed crazy bread and two other crazy breads. He brings out with two marineras. So we're, I said, well, I'll say thank you. And I said, what, what's, what's the damage? He says, 
nothing. So I gave him a little bit of money, and he looks at me like he couldn't believe we, it. Man. We made that kid's night. And well, Joey made that he, kid's night. You know what? That guy was doing good work. And he was. I, was. I was really. If he could be, honestly, I wish he could be on the podcast. I mean, now. he, he might have taken that pizza home. If I, we should have caught his yeah. name to give him like an actual legit shout out. Yeah, yeah. true. But I, yeah, he should be on the next episode. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we we like as you can see, you know, tr- in true hot rod and chopper fashion, doing some really good dietary choices when we're on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it, it's fun. I feel like there's a you know a lot of elements to this that. Yep. I'm I'm on the road a lot for work. Right. I, and I think I was in 10 or 11 states this summer. Tell us uh, about that. That's a, that's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Right oh man. Uh, I I guess I guess first off let's start with kind of a shorter story of your guys's trip here and then get into all your other All right. So 11 um, states. Yeah, so we're we're always on the move. Um but basically Yama and I said I was like Yama I'd really like to take my roadster up to Portland for this and we ended up breaking it down where we can do two days there two days back and we're going to spend the weekend in the city and we're going to race tomorrow and do that stuff so it's really it's been really fun to get on the road and get me some more trailer hauling experience I uh, and do all that stuff um but it was kind of this this you know we've had this idea to do this trip for it was funny as we were driving I said like there was never like a moment that we weren't gonna go except for when the guy told me I couldn't haul that trailer in Oakland but I. Uh, <laughs> I faced some. Uh, That's another story. <laughs> some, uh, an, an encounter with armed security. Uh, at See, a, we have a lot a, to go over in this podcast. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. This might be for another day. We don't want to bore anybody. But anyway, uh, there was never. And this is the thing that uh, when Yama and I have these ideas, there's we're just there's never like any compromise. We're like, hey, we want to go on this trip, or hey, we want to build this bike or this car, or you know do these things and we work really hard to you know we have great you know great support from a lot of people where we're able to exit we're in the time where we can Mm -hmm. execute these things you guys make it work for each other yeah and that's what i heard you talking about what shout out to what was the other podcast you were in oh the the classic car corner the last classic car corner go listen to that podcast with joey but that's what you were talking about is how you both that's your relationship with each other like hey there's this thing that i want to go get and you guys are just like okay that's what we're doing now yeah. Yama would be a really good swim instructor where he just like push people off the edge and be like, Hey, like, yeah, that's how you swim. And I, he's done a really, that's been really big for me. Like, cause I had never, like when I got my roadster, he was like, we'll just go look at it, pay a deposit. If you like it, we'll get a U-Haul tomorrow and we'll get it. And I think, or it's like, let's go to Fort Bragg. This will fit in the truck. Let's do this thing. Rather than me, I'm like, let's think about it. Let's weigh some options. And I was like, look, this seems like a good idea. Let's just go do it. Um, so anyway, this this trip was another one of those where like logistically we were able to make it work. Uh, and just the second I pulled that roadster off the trailer and had it in, you know, drive around your block a little bit, like this is I know we're in for a really good weekend. So that's that's the most recent trip. Uh, and we do find ourselves in Oregon pretty frequently, which is pretty funny. Um, for the one motorcycle show or buying things. But as far as my travel recently, so I spent six really great years with the Rotters Journal. Uh, I ended up changing directions in the late spring. I started working with RideTech, who's a division of Fox and uh, of Fox Factory. And that's kind of given me the opportunity to explore a lot of different parts of the motorsports world. Uh, I work in content creation, which is basically a fancy word for still journalism. Uh, And I tell stories, I shoot photos, I create videos, uh, and I travel around and I'm able to see 
all sides of the automotive world rather than it's like, no, like you were talking about with your shop, how it's not strictly traditional hot rods or it's not strictly muscle cars. It's when you can see these projects and you can approach them in a way that it's, I appreciate cars, but I really appreciate craftsmanship and weather, mm-hmm. but it's like, look, I mean, I love tractors. I love hot rods. I love muscle cars. I love exotics. Right. And just cause I can respect motorcycles i can respect the amount of work you can you can see when someone Bro- put, like broadening your range that's exactly yeah. that's exactly right and i think as a journalist and as a storyteller being able to tell a broader range of stories is such a positive so what that means is that i've been able to then this summer i was you know been all over i did i was just in new jersey for the race of gentlemen i i was in southern california or central california for the rpm nationals i i was in Des Moines for Good Guys Des Moines. I was in Puyallup, Washington for Good Guys Puyallup. I, I was, you know, in San Jose uh, shooting a C4 Corvette. Like, there's just like so many elements where you're able to uh, apply the craft that I've been working on for a long time for a, for almost a new audience. And it's really fun for me to meet a whole crop of new people. And what's so interesting, it's how many of these folks who are working with different types of cars that I wouldn't normally I didn't know much about how they say I started working. My started getting to hot rides, working on a flathead power 34 Ford, or it's like my dad had a model I roadster. I mean like, and it's just so cool that like, there's just like this progression of these things. And it's always can anchor back to the idea that the three of us, as well as the folks who are listening here, love things with engines. We love things with wheels and we especially love things we can work on ourselves. And that's just such a broad, whether it's choppers, whether it's hot rods, it's just this huge, huge airplane, whatever, this huge spectrum. Yep. And I think that getting able to tell those stories within, in this new role has been so much fun. And I'm telling stories in a new way. And so I'm really, really stoked. And I'm also working with a lot of other print publications as well. So that's yeah. a whole other thing. I think that also helps with, like, if you were just focused on hot rods yourself as well, um, your vision would be so narrow and your like learning scope would be so narrow where like if I never worked on or had drift cars, you know, like I wouldn't know anything about building engines. I wouldn't know anything about like performance engines, performance coilovers and this, that, and the other. And now like I can apply that knowledge to motorcycles. I can apply that knowledge to hot rods. I can apply that knowledge and like the motivation and the inspiration, you know, like that guy made that right insane yeah i I think especially joey over here because like i mean i I don't know a lot about you but i know like when we had you on the podcast last time you were saying that there was like pretty much everything that you were doing you're like this is the first time i've ever done this and the fact that like seeing your roadster and knowing that everything you kind of had done was kind of your first time doing everything it's like super impressive and that takes a lot of bravery to go out there and especially document it and share it in the way that you have you. of being like, you know, putting it out there like, because, because you, you didn't really have an expertise of like, Hey, this is what I do specifically to the cars. You're like, I'm just kind of going out there and just trying whatever we're doing. And so, I mean, there's a lot of respect for that. Thank you. I think that for me, I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time around a lot of amazing cars. I mean, like through the Rotter's journal, I mean like, the kooky car. I mean, I've gotten mm-hmm. to literally like bump my head in the oil pan. Which, like, shout out to the 
I was looking back at the magazine when you wrote me that little note yeah. in there. And I was yeah. like, I was looking, I forget. It was like February of 2020 or yeah. something. I was like, yeah. I cannot believe it was that long it was ago. a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. And just being around so many incredible cars, like the cars that Roy Brizio builds mm-hmm. or Brandon Flanner builds, or all these folks are building cars that Bruce Meyer owns. Uh, getting to be around cars like that in like David, my, my guy, David DeFalco, like being around these cars, I, where you see how things are done correctly. I mean, it, it's not like a, you know, see and do situation. It's kind of, but it kind of in a way is where like, I know a lot of times with any sort of like design or graphic design, like we have magazines and books that we really like. And you look and you see that kind of like when Yama, when you saw the YouTubers and the skateboarding, you can see what's worked for other people. And yeah. you can use that as a spring, not copying, but use it as a springboard to say, I was inspired by these emulate. elements. To emulate. Yeah. It's exactly right. So I think like you'll see on my roadster, like the wiring. I mean, like Yama saw the wiring on the triumph. Like it's very much the same. We're like all cloth wrapped. There's one zip tie in the whole car. I uh, see if you can find it tomorrow. I, uh, yeah. All like all cloth, all cloth, cloth wrapped, all heat shrunk, all like the, you know, uh, the striped conduit on the headlights. I mean, just the whole thing where it's like, I really, I take, I, I enjoy those processes. And I also said, this is my first shot at this rotting mm-hmm. and I don't want to like put together something that's like embarrassing. And half ass it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like, I just can't do that. I only have yeah. one car. <laughs> like I, right. right. So that's, how I work really hard. Well, and that's what the whole car. chopper thing, you know, like I'm not making any, anything original. Right. Yeah. Like I'm looking through old, Chopper magazine. That's exactly yes. what we talked about yeah. with Charlie Haskell. Yeah. 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 Recreating exactly, an era. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's literally, like, it's in the name traditional means it's been yeah. done before. That's yeah. what that means. Yeah. And the reason why it's been done so many times is because that's, that's how you're like, that's, that's what wrote the book. Right? Yeah. That's exactly and right. It's like, yeah. that's the perfect way to do it. Why would I change that? You know, unless right. it's like a few things here and there, but like. And allows mm-hmm. you to create that baseline right. where you're able to then springboard and do things like like when you put the sunset graphic or elements in your gas tank and in your oil bag, or like when I put a lantern as the taillight or like when you guys created the, you put the double trouble head on. I mean like all these pieces where like you have the traditional look and then it allows you, or like my gas taillight on my roadster, like you're able to, you know what traditional is and you're able to then have that as your baseline and then springboard off to make something a little weird. (laughs) Those are the things you specifically reference that you point out when you're, when you're telling your buddies about your build, you specifically reference like, and this is what I did that goes along with that traditional thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it might've been you and I that talked about it. And it's gotta be the same thing in your, in your, your world as well with your bikes is it's hard for people to understand and realize sometimes how, no, this is not the most efficient way to do it and right. it's not the way that's going to make it the fastest or the best performing but it's the traditional way and so that's the way we're going to do it i mean that's how it was deraking <laughs> that pan head yeah so maybe uh yamash provides some background so like here i guess i'll, I'll do you want to do an intro to this sure, yeah. element so yama uh we talk i mean when you were away we were literally talking about it like we always talk about getting that pan head project that's like you know, I guess it's the model I rode to project and the knuckleheads, the 32 is kind of like what the thing. So, but we, one day Yama managed to get this pan head and it was, she bought it from the original owner and it had a crazy raked. I mean, think like, you know, like the cartoon with like Snoopy when he rides the chopper. It was like, and when that, you're like, saying rake and a chopper, you're saying 
with the big long forks, right? Really long fork. Yeah, the yeah. neck was like, cut and they and so it's, it's it. like I mean, it's like a five foot point. Long spray the, or something. It's, like it's really the low. opposite of the rake of a hot rod. It's right? exactly that's yeah, exactly, right. exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. So Yama had got this bike and it was the crustiest, most perfect, perfect like nineteen mid like early to mid seventies. It was seen in the hate outside the clinic or whatever somebody said on yeah. YouTube. Like uh exactly like the barn find we imagine. I mean perfect uh for a early seven early mid 70s build black uh you know just red lettering all the perfect bits and pieces like all the parts that we would just be like dying over there's like there's no way if we saw it at the one show we'd be like oh my gosh like yeah. we need to find the owner and like take a million pictures and take notes for our builds anyway earlier this year yama got that bike and we did a photo shoot with it with some of our friends we brought it out to kind of this park and uh we did that and our friend paul did a little video and then Yama did something that I think people were pretty torn on at first when they heard that he was going to change it. But when he changed it, I think nobody was questioning a thing. So we'll let Yama take over from there. You know, I've never been a long bike person. Sorry, I'm a, I'm sorry, a small guy. You know, and riding that thing when I, after I got it running, um, I was like scrunched up and it just felt really sketch, sketchy, like just not my type of bike, you know, and the first thing I said was, I'm going to derake this frame. And all of my friends were, even Joey was like, there's no way, man. You should just keep it how it is. Have fun with it. Yeah, have fun with it. And I was like, no, I have a vision for this bike and I'm not going to be happy with it, you know, as is. If I build it how I how it is right now, I'm not going to be happy with it. So I need to do what I need to do with it. And I was just waiting until that photo shoot was over. <laughs> For me to be able to like <laughs> do finally, what you want. yeah, finally pulled the front end off and cut the frame, and it was the scariest thing, you know. Like, this is a bike that is from the '60s. It was built in the '70s, and it had been like this for 40 years, you know. Yeah. And for me, some random dude to just like take this Survivor and cut it up, and you know, take it back to stock, was like the scariest thing for me. Um, and that was one of those things where. I took off the molding on the neck and whoever had raked the frame just put like half inch plate. <laughs> well, like burned in this half inch plate on the neck and like cut the top of the neck. So like when, and like cut out a little channel on the top of the neck. So when they bent it back, it would like, you know, sit flush and stuff. And I was just like, what the hell did I get myself into, man? Like, should I just remold this frame and sell the frame? and buy a repop wishbone frame and throw everything on the bike onto the wishbone frame. And I talked to Max Schaff and I called him and he just kind of like settled me down and was like, no way, man. Like you have to derake this frame. I would suggest that you try and derake the frame. And if you botch it, then you botch it. You know, like at least you tried and you learned something doing it. So shout out to him for pushing me to do that. And so... I got invited to this motorcycle show, the Still Here Motorcycle Show. It was the first one in San Francisco. And it was a big deal because that was the first big chopper show that I've ever been invited to. And Is it one of those invite-only type? I would say so, yeah. Um, like, I, I kind of got invited to the one moto, but I put my bike in to it, and it got accepted. Um, where this was, like, the guy who was putting it on reached out to me. He was like, hey, I want you to be in the mm -hmm. show. And this was before it was deraked, too. Yeah. This is before I was deraked. <laughs> and I just remember like freaking out. I was in Michigan 
And he messaged me and told me that I was in the show. And I was just like, what? Like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. What am I going to do with this bike? And little by little, um, I found a gas tank. It was a half Jones gas tank. The paint was matching the bike. Like it matched the bike almost perfectly. And it was like one of those things where I put it up next to the bike and I was like, it's meant to be, (laughs) this is meant to be. Yeah, exactly. And as I'm in the deraking process of the neck, I never really liked the oil tank. And so one day, Mike, my business partner walks through the shop doors with just a whole pile of old Harley parts. And I was like, what like good stuff. Really like, good. Really stuff. good. Mike's got an eye for it. He's a, he's got a nose for it too. He can, yeah. he can pick this stuff out. Um, Both of them can. And he comes back with this horseshoe oil tank that the same thing with the gas tank looked like it was part of the spike, you know? And so I take off my old oil tank, put this horseshoe on and it, it honestly just looked like that's how I found it, you know? And then I'm looking for a front end. I was just going to throw one of my front ends that I had on it. And I was waiting to finish the neck process and I had cut all the metal out and I was like, what the hell did I just do? And I like heated it all up and I deraked it and I look into the hole and like the whole neck is just cracked on the inside. Like the tube is cracked. The casting is cracked. And I was like, Oh man, like this is fucked basically, you know, like, and I called Max again. I was like, dude, what should I do? <laughs> and I sent him photos and he was like, honestly, just like weld it up and, you know, gusset the neck and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, are you serious? Like, that's it. You know? And he was like, yeah, just make sure it's all straight and you'll be fine. And so, you know, I wanted to wait to see what front end I was going to put on this bike so I can figure out the stance of it and figure out how, how low is going to sit. And lo and behold, I'm, I've been looking for a Springer front end for months now. Maybe even years. Maybe even years, yeah. <laughs> and um, I sell one of my cars, and that day, like I sold my car in the morning for $2,600. That, later that day, I contacted uh, one of our friends, Ryan, and I was like, hey, man, do you have any Springer front ends, you know, complete front ends? And he was like, actually, I have one in my van right now. I'm going to the swap meet right now if you want to meet me. And so I drove down to Turlock and made like the three and a half hour drive down to Turlock. And I go to look at this front end and it's, it's perfect. You know, it's like an I-beam Springer, which is one that I've always wanted off an RL Harley. And I was just like, what the I'm hell? I'm going to model it for an X on either side because that I-beam, which is super cool. Yeah. It's like almost like hot rod looking, mm-hmm. which right. I never, I, you know, don't ever see those. Yeah. And it came with, the front wheel, the axle, the brake, like everything. And so I'm like looking at it. I was like, how much do you want for it? And he was like, you know, I kind of want like 2,800. And I was like, like, would you do any lower? He's like, you know what? You drove all the way out here. I'll do 26. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it just so happens. Yeah. (laughs) And so it was like one of those things again, where everything just kind of lined up and fell in place. And when I originally deraked the frame, I deraked it to about 30 degrees. And so I came back with the Springer and took it all apart and painted it really shitty and like made it look like it went yep. with the bike. And I threw it on the bike at 30 degrees. I set the bike down and I, the frame was about three inches off the ground. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I can ride this thing like yeah. this, you San know? San Francisco, the land of speed bumps yeah. and good train tracks and all that right. stuff. Right, like, and so I took the front end back off. This is before I welded anything on the neck. 
and I reheated the neck and bent it back even further another five degrees so it's about 25 degrees which is around what like stock knuckleheads are at and at that point I put everything back on lowered it down and that raised the bike another three inches I was like perfect so welded it all back together molded the frame and my aging technique was just like spraying carb clean and throwing dirt at it you know (laughs) yep and it looked like i never touched it you know and talking to a few guys at the show i ended up taking it to the show you know these guys are like seasoned vets and they walked up to the bike and they're like wait is this the same bike i was like yeah you deraked it. It doesn't even look like you touched it. You That's know, it looks awesome. like this is how you found it. That's got to be the biggest compliment. It was yeah. the biggest compliment, man. And like, it was just the coolest thing riding that bike around. It was like, oh man, like this is it. You know, yeah. I did all that work and this is it. Yeah. It well, was like, it was like nonstop for like a long, I mean, you worked on that bike for. Well, it was the Sunset Shovel mm-hmm. into Blue's bike into the Panhead. So Yama doesn't ever really stop. I mean, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like kind of like you, where you're just always like working on these projects. Yeah, and it just seems like they just keep on rolls, and one to the next to the next. And um, I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I always joke the only person with less time in the day than me is Yama. So uh-huh. <laughs> An- another thing I too. want to talk to you about Yama is like tell me about how you got into the whole, you know, welding stuff and heating up frames and bending stuff and and all that because that's like to me that's like your peak of my interest. Like that's, that's my thing. Yeah, that's what I'm right. into. Yeah. And uh, like Joey was telling me, you taught him how to TIG weld and everything. So like, tell me how, how you got into all that stuff. Well, when I was growing up, I had one of my best friends actually went to, um, he went through in high school, he did all the welding classes and he would make us skate rails, you know? And like, I always thought it was the coolest thing where he's like burning metal together and mm-hmm. melting it together. And it's like, now we can skate it. And so getting into cars, um, one of my good friends, Will, I would watch him. He put a um, 5.0 V8 from his Mustang into his Miata <laughs> in, in, in the cul-de-sac. Wow. In like the ghetto of San Francisco, yeah. you know, and I watched him like, um, what is it? Flux core weld. Yeah. Just everything on this car. And it just came out perfect you know and i was like how did you do that you know and from that point i just it piqued my interest even more and more and more and more and it got to the point when once we got into motorcycles i just knew that like if i wanted to do this we were making i think your sissy bar Mm -hmm. and it was like we were using um what was it like a those little blue tanks, the yeah, pro, propane. Uh, yeah, pro, like a, from, oh, like the little map gas, map yeah, gas torches. Literally, yeah. we used to buy them used at estate sales. We used to ride a motorcycle uh-huh. to estate yep. sales and buy them. Where they were, maybe there's gas and maybe there wasn't. And we literally bent my sissy bar in the driveway using those on that same shitty table that we used to, as our frame table. Nice. Yeah. And it was like you know it, we used that, and I remember making sissy bars back in the day with the propane tanks <laughs> on my like workbench with like you know whatever. And so it got to the point where it was like, I need to learn how to, how to weld if I'm going to like work on motorcycles. And so I went to city college in San Francisco and took the welding class there. And in that entire time, I learned how to gas weld and MIG weld and stick weld and TIG weld. And TIG welding was one of those things where I was like, this is really fun. That's a TIG. Yeah, dude. Same here. Yep. So cool. Like MIG welding's cool and all, but like, and I, I bought myself a MIG welder at that Mm -hmm. point and I just. It, it was flux core and I couldn't afford gas or whatever. Yep. But TIG welding is one of those things where it's like, this is where I'm at. Yeah. I'm focused in on this thing 
and the, I'm stacking dimes like I've watched to me, that's, people do. That's yeah. when it becomes an art. Yeah. Is the tick- and so see for me, the very first thing I learned how to weld on was MIG welder. You know, mm-hmm. it's good, tried and true. Everybody learns how to learn on MIG. Then, because I did this all in metal shop, then I went over to stick welding a little bit just because that's where our curriculum took us. You got to stick weld. To this day, I still just despise stick welding Same. just because it's just not what I'm into. You know, right. there's there's a lot of, I have a lot of respect for the structural welders out there that do the stick welding. It's just not my thing. And then I remember when we moved into our curriculum of gas welding and I was like, Oh my God, yeah. dude, this is, and gas welding was my thing, just you know, the and control just the control have. and just the quietness and yep. just the, because I feel like that's what people think of welding as is stick welding where you're just wearing yeah. this big heavy equipment. You're ah, just, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and then gas welding is just quiet and just like this total like balancing. It's act. like a Zen. It's right? the Zen. Yeah. And, uh, I remember that my teacher got this grant to be able to get some TIG welders. It was wow. one of those Lincoln multi-process, you yep. know, MIG and TIG. And I was like, hey, Mr. Stables, I want to learn how to weld on that. He's like, not until you get really good at gas welding. You can't even touch the TIG welder until you get really good at gas welding. <laughs> so guess what? I got really good at gas welding. I'm like, Mr. Stables, these are my gas welds. And I, he's like, wow, I'm actually pretty impressed. Yeah. I'm like, can I TIG weld? No. <laughs> so no, no. so my, my introduction to TIG welding was like, I wanted to TIG weld, so I bought my own TIG welder, and I, I taught myself, which I say I taught myself, but really, I, I carried so much over from learning from high school of gas yeah, welding, right. and then it was just changing it to, instead of changing my heat from pulling away, I change it with the pedal, Right. everything else is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of my first bikes that I built in, in our shop. Um, I didn't have a TIG welder at the time, so I MIG welded everything, mm-hmm. and I just remember when I was welding everything, I kind of felt like this isn't strong, you know, like, right. I don't know how great my MIG welds are. Right. It looks good, but like, am I really penetrating? Right. And is that's, this... that's my, that's my biggest thing is, is when somebody questions my MIG weld, I'm like, that's a good question. I don't know. Exactly. When somebody questions my TIG weld, dude, I saw the penetration yeah, and exactly. I controlled how much filler went in there. I know yeah. everything about that. Weld. Right. Yeah. And so that's when I, after I built that bike and I built the sunset shovel right after that, I made it a goal to where I was like, I'm getting a TIG welder. I'm getting gas. I'm going to practice the hell out of this. And I'm going to build this entire bike with my TIG welder basically, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when I got into like making the whole shifter setup and like, mm-hmm. you know, making the pipes and making this, that, and yeah. the other. And it's like, once you, once you start TIG welding, you just are like, I'm taking everything. From I mean, now. that's, yeah. I take everything. Yeah. And back then, we had just like a terrible Lincoln, um, what was it called? It was just like an old Lincoln machine, you know, like no post or pre-flow adjustment. Mm-hmm. And oh, like, really? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I thought I had a cheap machine. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, you just <laughs> flip the hardcore. switch and it just like It's on or off. Yeah. As soon as you flip the switch. <laughs> you had to hit the switch with the hammer and yeah. turn it off. Yeah. And literally, he's like, all right, Joey, get the hammer. <laughs> oh, dude, that's Clicks. awesome. So like the first week that we got that, I was TIG welding, TIG welding practice, whatever, and it just shuts off. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? So I pull the cover off and I'm looking at it and one of like the the soldered joints had broken. And so I bring the MIG welder out and I MIG weld the solder joint. (laughs) And after that, it worked great, you know, and make your TIG. So so tell me what, what machine you're running now and like your usual TIG setup. We'll get into like some nerdy stuff here. So I run a AHP alpha TIG, Mm -hmm. the the brand new machine. Um, 
I was a little unsure about getting the digital setup, but now that I've been able to use it, it's just like night and day, man. It's like, oh man, like from that Lincoln yeah. machine to this, it's like, and and you can choose the size of your tungsten. Mm-hmm. On the machine. On the machine. Really? You can choose post and preflow. Mm-hmm. You can choose ramp up and you can, it's like high frequency start. It's just one of the best machines out there for yeah. under a thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's just, it blows my mind how good the technology has gotten. And what brand is it? AHP. Okay. Um, it's the AHP Alpha Tig. Shout out AHP. Sponsor us. No. <laughs> <laughs> Please. But that's like one of, I had I had watched all the YouTubers that yeah. I had been watching with car stuff for, you know, the last couple of years. And they, I kind of study everything that I try and get into. And I'm like, what's the best bang for the buck, you know? And this was one of the machines that came out everywhere. It was like. The AHP Alpha Tig is the machine to go to. 80% duty cycle. It's like, you know, it's got all the features that you need from like a Miller, but for 800 bucks. Mm-hmm. And it comes with different cup sizes. It comes with like just everything yeah. that you need, you know? And now it comes with a finger trigger with like the swivel head. Right. Um, the torch, a swivel. And it comes with the stick as well if you need it. But. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know. That's, that sounds like, so I, I kind of did the same exact route as you where I'm like, I want something decent, but I also can't afford to go out there and buy a brand new Miller or Lincoln. So I went with the Eastwood TIG 200 yeah. and it's about the same price range, about that $800 range. Um, it's not digital, but I can still adjust, adjust my pre and post flow. And like you said, the stick and it came with, you know, a nice, re- it's a great starter package. Totally. You get the whole different cup sizes, the yeah. different tungstens and all that. And I feel pretty confident in saying I'm not to the level in my TIG welding yet that I have outgrown the welder yet. Right. So, so, so far when people ask me, you know, who are coming just in new into TIG welding, what my opinion is, I'd recommend something like yours or something like mine. Right. Don't go out there and buy some crazy machine. Cause I feel like for a while that machine's gonna, gonna last me for a while. I mean, it'll probably last you for, I mean, until you're like TIG welding every single day. Right. And you need right. like a cooler setup, and so yeah. you have to have your separate like, cooler. Like we were talking yeah. about Mike Wagner from Cornfield yeah. Customs. When you become a god like that, yeah. then, yeah, then maybe the you can. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you know, I've been watching uh, this one YouTuber, Taylor Ray. He builds like drift cars and stuff, but he just he just retired his AHP setup, and that's because he was tired of lugging around the cooler with the AHP TIG welder, and he also had a multi-process machine that he had set up just for Mig. Right. And it was just like, he had like four welders and he's like, I switched all of this to this one machine cause the cooler is in it. Mm-hmm. So like until you get to that point, you know, you don't yep. really need that. Type What's of... your uh, usual like torch setup? Well, how do you mean? Just like for, for your usual, like, what do you, what do you use the most as far as like your, your cup and your tungsten size and like color of tungsten, all that. I'm trying to remember. I, I use purple. Tungsten. Purple, okay. Um, three thirty second. Mm-hmm. Um, the cup size is a seven. I haven't upgraded that stuff yet. I really want to. I think once I yeah. get into aluminum welding, I'm gonna upgrade all right. that. Right. I personally, I don't get super picky on because I, for the most part, I do like sheet metal work, like eighteen gauge sheet metal work. Yeah. So my usual go to is like pretty much my machine never rarely comes off of 
16th inch tungsten red band. I've been playing around with gray a little bit and I'm at like 30 amps the whole time. Wow. And then, uh, just, I usually just try and pick the smallest cup size I have, but like yeah. I said, I don't get super scientific with my right. cup size, Yeah. but for sure I got to have the really small tungsten 16th inch tungsten yeah, especially doing the sheet, sheet metal, metal work. Right. Yeah. 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 The three thirty second works great. I mean, I'm doing like, I think the biggest plate that I've done is like quarter inch or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but most of the time it's like sissy bars and right. it's half inch round stock. Right. Stainless. Playing in, playing with the thick st- structural stuff like that, like you're saying, I mean thick, but right. the quarter inch stuff once probably the same for you. Once you get into that, you're like, wow, this is super easy. I can yeah. burn into this really hard. Right. Yeah. And like with, I noticed with my old machine, I was pushing it at like 120 amps mm-hmm. where the new machine the same stuff I was doing at 120 on the old machine, I was I'm now doing at like 80. Yeah, and that's like more than enough, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like holy crap! Look at the efficiency of this machine, mm-hmm. you know. All right, we're boring people with our <laughs> with our nerding out of our our TikTok. I'm all here. ears. I'm all dude. Ears. There's there's a podcast TikTok Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, and there's um, welding tips and tricks. Oh, is that a they have like a YouTube channel and oh, okay. a podcast. Yeah. Um, I I watch a lot of Weld.com. Yeah. And then oh, I forget the guy's name, but he's this guy. Jody who, Foster. Is yeah. it the guy with the glass? <laughs> no, there's this guy with that's, this. That's his name. <laughs> is it really? There's yeah. another Jody Foster? Is there one that you know? Yeah, isn't that a... Is that a famous... That's like... A, is that an actress? I feel like that is a famous... Let's look yeah. it up. <laughs> Pause. Okay. We're, we're okay. Googling right now. I do feel I'm on Yeah, American actress. Act, yeah. Actress, director. Yep. Yeah, Silence of the Lamps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know kind of something But it, are you are we oh, thinking look, about the same guy? Welding the guy. tips and tricks, Jody Foster. Let me see this picture of this guy cuz see if I'm is she thinking... also in, is he also in Silence of the Lambs or is the person <laughs> there also in Silence of the Lambs? I don't think he has a photo, but he's he's on the welding tips. Okay, tips because there's the this guy that I I know on YouTube who does this video. He has like a backdrop of it's always like uh, like particle board you know like stuff he's got glasses a mm. little bit of a i wouldn't say older fella like maybe kind of middle-aged and uh got kind of southern accent he's like yeah today we're gonna do tig welding tips and tricks and we're gonna show you how yeah. to walk the cup everybody yep. wants to know yep. how to walk the cup that's this guy <laughs> yeah yep. yeah yeah he's i've watched a lot of his videos i mean i like to say that i go to youtube university because that's where oh I've yeah learned a lot yeah. of my yeah. stuff oh definitely that's watch many a good YouTube on a how to, cause you know, I mean, a lot of times, like, you know, when you're starting with this stuff and before, before Instagram and before all these communities got really big, I mean, you looked at YouTube and you looked at the manual, at least in my case, that's what right. I had. And, and I on started, forums right? and on forums. Exactly. Right. Yeah. When I started my first Honda 350, I literally had the manual on YouTube and I'm like, how do you do the clutch on this thing? And there right. was no way to tell other than read the book. The book doesn't make sense. Check YouTube. That's a cool thing too. Is like, as far as YouTube goes, there's a lot more traditional hot rod stuff that's coming out of there of yeah. how to's a uh, big shout out to Aaron Dominguez. Who's this local guy from here. If you watch his YouTube channel, he has the whole, total step-by-step process of him building his model a coupe. That's right. Beautiful, traditional yeah. little model a coupe. And I first met him at a, a Rusto Rama just here in Salem. Anyways, I mean, you can go find that, you know, just total step-by-step Every with step of the hardcore way. traditional stuff. He does such a good job on that series. Mm-hmm. And it's just so nice because he makes it so accessible to, to everyone. I mean, yeah. like, and if you want to, and it's even interesting if you want to pop into the middle of the series and 
Yep. Learn a little about this or a little about that. And I love going along for a test drive, you mm-hmm. know, and he's just like, uh, the whole the whole thing it's a really good series for sure mm. that's a nice car too yeah i haven't you, seen it you follow him on instagram uh 28 tudor i mean i do i don't know yeah i like giving this guy shout outs because he's a cool dude yeah, yeah. He, he seems really cool yeah but it but but uh, yeah i love that 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 the community is growing and i think it's because of people that are more willing to get out there on social media and on youtube and kind of you know because like people always talk about oh well what's the way that we can get young people into this hot rotting thing. And I think it was like, I talked with you before. It's like, I don't think it's that there's not an interest. There's just not the exposure. Mm-hmm. So if we can be the exposure through Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and kind of get the exposure out there, I still think that there's going to be a lot more people that are going to be interested in it. They just haven't had the exposure like we have. I agree with that. And I think something that I, I want to touch upon in this about my car and my projects is that when I first started building it, like I was pretty nervous about even posting on the ham. I mean, actually you notice on my Instagram, I don't have very many build photos of my car. I, because there's no crazy fabrication involved. It's something that, I mean, I, again, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, but by, by, I wouldn't say no. idea. Okay. I have very, <laughs> very, very, very little idea, but the fact that like I, had just immediately at the very beginning of my build thread a year ago accepted that fact that I'm going to be learning as I do this thing and I'm going to have my trials, my errors and all these things and just be very real about it. I I think that because like everybody says so much of social media is fake and I think that there's a, there's definitely a truth to that and I th- I've been working really hard like on my build thread and on my projects to be like I completely messed that up. Like it spent me, it took me so long to rebuild the front brakes on that car because everything was worn out. And like, I was like laying in my driveway two days in a row in my car hard overalls as people were going out and having fun and going to the beach and all stuff. And I was like sweating and swearing, rebuilding these brakes. But I, I, I chronicle all that in my thread because look, 90 year old brakes are, you know, they're simple. Sure. But they can also be really tricky. And I think that exposing yourself to the fact that look, we've all messed up on our projects yeah. on a ton of stuff. And yeah. so do the people that we look up to. And so do the people who are in these magazines, the people who are on these YouTube channels and all this stuff that they've all messed up. And that's how you grow. Well, to in really... theory, like all of these things are really easy to do. Yeah, ex- right? exactly. Yeah. But there's always something. Yep. There's well, I mean, you can, something. you can beat yourself up about it, but then you can also think, dude, how many other people, in the world know how to work on 90 year old bricks right. yeah, you know exa- that is exa- yeah. such a specific yeah. niche thing so you're beating yourself up yeah. just because you're a part of that community you're like right. i don't even know how to do this oh, come on right. man what am i doing right but think about it how many people know how to do that like yeah and now i yeah. can look at those breaks i'm like yeah. <laughs> i know how those you're work beating like, yourself cool. up about it you know yeah, yeah exactly and i think it's uh all th- yeah i'm gonna have this conversation on the ride too like you just gotta mess a bunch of stuff up before mm-hmm. you can hit the road with your project. I mean, whether it's yep. a car or yeah. a chopper, because like you guys gotta, you know, once you accept that it's fact. Like I was talking to uh, Scott Hinchcliffe, who was on the podcast. Like I was telling you, big chop, and uh, I was talking to him about making some mistakes on some customer projects and how once you make a mistake on a customer project, that's all on me. All the extra totally. labor that it takes to fix it, that's all on me. And he told me, he said, Noah. And education is expensive. Trust me, I've paid a lot for mine. <laughs> and so it's like you know, you're not you're not the only one. Yeah, you know, yeah. exactly. And 
that's what I think, like I said earlier, that's the spirit of all this stuff is do it yourselfers. Yeah. And that's what's fun. I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, taking stuff to a dealership to get worked on and stuff. But at the same time, like we love this stuff because we can, we can turn wrenches on it. We can get dirty. We can explore what it meant. At least for me, like that feeling of someone back in the day was working on this exact same car yep. or work on this exact same bike. You know, you know, you know, feel a little bit of that as you, as you turn wrenches out in the driveway. And the fact you can hit the road in something that you put together yourself or you fix, or you can see your friends hit the road in that. I mean, that's like, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people I think ask me like, how did you get into what you're doing? And it comes from curiosity, obviously, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm very much a, a visual learner. Um, like I have to have my hands on this to like know exactly how it works. I can watch a million videos about it, but as, as soon as I have my hands on it and I can like visually see what it does is when I know what it does. So like that goes back to, I studied engines, car engines for years, years and years and years. And it took until I bought my very first BMW engine just to pull it apart to then figure out like, okay, well here's the head here's all the valves and here's like this, here's the cams. This is how you take it all apart. This is how you take the head off. This is what the pistons do. This is the crankshaft. You know, like that's when I started learning, like these are all the pieces. It's actually pretty simple, but you just need to learn how it all goes together in a serious, you know, like you can't just throw it all together and expect Mm -hmm. it to work. Right. So it's no luck involved. It's cool. Also, at least for me to kind of, I, I never feel fully satisfied. Like I, whenever I finish a project, I always feel like, oh, I could have done that better. Totally. But then when I look back to some of my old work that I did and I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess I have improved, right. you know, I've, I've actually come somewhere. Okay. That's nice. Cause still, no matter what I do something, I'm like, wow, that looks like shit. I can't believe right. that, you know, yeah. but then I look back to my old stuff. I go, okay, I guess I'm getting somewhere. Well, I right. think the worst part about like social media is like seeing this highlight reel of everybody else mm-hmm. and seeing the great work that they put out and you're just comparing yourself now to right. this seasoned vet who has right. like years and years, literally and longer than we've been alive. Yeah. Yeah. Been all all this, the tools under his belt, you yeah. know, and like there's this guy out on TikTok who does these hilarious videos where he just talks about that exact thing where people will just shit on something for no reason, you know? So he'll be like, you know, yeah, I built this, you know, this really nice table for my, for my room. And then, did you weld those uphill or downhill? He's like, well, uh, I don't know. I think I kind of did it both ways. And like, fuck, that's going to fail. <laughs> Can't believe you did it like that. That's just, that's not going to work. And he kind of just makes like this whole comedic thing about it. How yeah. There's just those people out there that just shit on stuff. It's just like, you know, you make like whatever you make. And somebody just, you know, and like you were talking about, kind of that hesitancy to like post your stuff right. out there because you have to deal with those people on social media that are just like the total, like, but then you also have to think of like, that dude must have a really sad life. If yeah. all he has to do is go and comment on Joey and mine and, <laughs> yeah. and Yama's post and be like, what, you, you, you can't put that ignition <laughs> coil yeah, upside down. Right? It's going to blow yeah. up. Like, it's like, well, how did Henry Ford put it? Well, it doesn't matter. Cause he was wrong. It's like, <laughs> yeah. All right, Everybody dude, has like, an opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely, and, and honestly, the, the positive, at least I found in this world of cars and bikes, the positives outweighed the negative. Oh, totally, so big. Totally. Cause then it's always cool. Like, cause we're all young guys in our twenties who are working on this super old stuff. And people are saying like, wow, I'm really glad right. that you're involved. 99.9% of the people are those people. Yeah. And then the other 0.1% 
you know, are the people that are, oh, what? you know, like I just, I just posted this, maybe he's listening to this, but I posted my little, uh, door, the fuel filler door yeah. that I mm-hmm. installed on Colt's truck. Everybody's commenting like, dude, that's so rad. That's so awesome. And this one guy goes, you should have done it the other way. So it doesn't, the wind blows it off, rips it right off. The, I'm like, <laughs> come on, dude. Always, <laughs> okay. Always. There's always that one guy. It's always like, yeah, let one. me rip it off the truck and yeah. reinstall yeah. Let it. Let me do just, it again just to please you. Yeah, just to please you. Well, yeah. I, I have learned from some of the comments, you know. I think that first Ironhead video, I was um, putting one of my neck cups on my frame. I think I was just hammering the shit out of it, man, with like <laughs> a big hammer. And he commented, like, you need to go to Harbor Freight and buy a rubber mallet that had like the, the, the dead, dead blow. blow. The, the, dead blow. the orange yeah. dead blow. The orange dead blow. And I was like, you know what? I will. And I went and bought it. And it was it's been the one of the best. See, here's my thing. Like, if I, I was gonna those. if I was gonna tell somebody to buy a dead blow though, I'd like I wouldn't I wouldn't comment and be like, you freaking idiot, get a dead blow. No, I'd DM him and be like Hey, dude, I saw what you were doing with that. I found like this really cool dead blow hammer that helped me out a lot with oh, that. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can change your approach it's a lot. It's more relatable. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And DM them so it's not posted out there for yeah. everybody to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I I had a, a video. I won't mention which one. Uh, but there was, you know, somehow a misspelling came across. And the person, it was, it was oh, a, you're it was, a journalist. It was, it was, you can't have any misspelling. I know. It, it was in a title. And of course, the person who, and of course, it's online. So I was able to fix it like that. First, the person who comments saying like it's spelled like this, not like this, and they had like two typos in. The, <laughs> I in, always love when there's in typos in the correction. Yeah, and you're yeah. just like, wait, so you're telling me like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like, you're not supposed to spell yeah, it. Like yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y O U R. You're yeah. like, oh man. <laughs> Pe- people will be people. I listen to the Jocko podcast a lot. You ever listen to the Jocko? Yes, Navy yeah. SEAL guy who. uh he talks a lot about like discipline and like all this stuff anyways. But he talks a lot about when, when I started listening to his podcast, it really kind of breaks it down of like, okay, wait a second. Instead of like getting frustrated or pissed off at this person, you kind of makes you realize like, okay, maybe this person's like kind of insecure that they have to, you know, and then you, you get to a place to where you start feeling bad for that person. And you're like, like, that's why I really don't get pissed off genuinely any like the one that the guy commented about my door it honestly just made me laugh i'm like whatever if that's what you want you know but but it kind of it changes your perspective to where you don't get so butthurt about it you're like okay i thought you're going to talk about uh jocko johnson who ran uh, a rear engine streamliner oh tell me about this at at, at the drags he won't even be in this issue he ran jocko's porting service down in southern california really you know like the moon there's the moon liner that's at uh it's like one of the best is a really heavy streamliner uh, that is actually at Galpin Autosports right now. It's got psychedelic moon paint on it, but it's used through the years. But anyway, this way, this guy Jocko Johnson had it uh, with a rear-mounted Cadillac, and it had this whole canopy on it. And then it ended up having an Allison V12 for a while. Now it is a big block Chevy. I thought you were getting into the Jocko Johnson story, no, and I was and I was Jocko ready. I was, willing. I was ready. Yeah. I was all there for it. Uh huh. But next time. <laughs> yeah. I, that's but that's a, interesting. That, that's I haven't a, I haven't heard about that. I'll, I'll show you some pictures. Yeah. You'll you'll like that car. It's a good one. Yeah. Some great body work on that thing for sure. Your memory just blows my mind. <laughs> Dude, it's it's yeah. It's it's kinda like um Charlie Haskell's the same way. He just the thing he he remembers specific people who built specific cars. He'll be like, Yeah, you remember, you know, you know, this uh specific person who spelt, built this specific car and yeah. I'm like, 
well i don't know charlie maybe if i saw it like yeah <laughs> he, he's but he's, he's the like way he that. just throws yeah. stuff out and he's dude. like oh yeah it's in volume 16 of rotter's journal it's in page oh five. yeah no he did that on <laughs> yeah go yeah. back and listen <laughs> to the first podcast <laughs> right. he was in that's he right. goes he goes you know issue 17 page five right. over yeah. on the left hand corner <laughs> yeah. and i'm like dude is this happening this right crazy. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's um uh, so steve coonan the publisher of rotter's journal he and i would just nerd like that all the time and he'd like well remember in like street rod quarterly when there was like that one in the lower corner when rod and custom went out of business but then they had the coverage and it's just so much fun and you're like mm-hmm. you'd have these converse like this like banter that goes back and forth over like just these things and we'd like quiz each other on this like <laughs> just stuff that nobody remembers or cares about or anything but it was so much fun that i was able to with when i was working with rotter's journal and rotter's journal is coming back that's the word i Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You can't just drop that casually like that. Whoa, whoa. You just need to say it like it's no big deal, dude. I I don't know. Dropping bombs over here. You know, I just just want to slip that in there. The word is that it's coming back for issue 85. But we also got a shout out slot mag. Shout out slot mag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, we're we're just like. (laughs) Quick, brief pause. (laughs) To somebody who was not super into bikes, I heard about slot mag. I'd known about dice magazine okay mm-hmm. and so i hit up joey i'm like dude i want to see this like this new thing you're a part of where can i buy it he hooks me up with you know getting me one and so i and dude first off i think the guy's name is jimmy johnson what is it what is his name jimmy dean horn jimmy dean horn jimmy dean horn dude this cover was That's so good fucking epic i was like it looks like a 70s rock album that yeah, i want to yeah, go i'm like dude it was something get, get else the black light and out. dude and so <laughs> what i was expecting with this magazine was is i'm gonna go flip to joey's part the slot mag part no i like was like flipped through every single page and was just like astounded i was like huge shout out to dice magazine now joey please tell us about your whole slot mag thing because it's pretty rad. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so Slot Mag is this crazy project that uh, Dean McTech of Dice uh, hit me up. So Dean and I have been friends for quite some time uh, because Dean is primary. He's known for his motorcycle stuff, but he's a hot rod guy through and through. He has an unbelievable Survivor 32.3 window uh, that he's worked with the Kennedys to put back together. Cadillac motor. He just drove it across the country, which you'll find in Slot Mag issue too. Uh, and Larry and I, who shot the photos of it, but essentially, so Dean and I have been friends for a while through Rodder's Journal stuff and through bike stuff. And it was in the spring. He says, Hey, Joey, I got this crazy idea. We're going to make this supplement to Dice Magazine. So Dice Magazine is this chopper magazine that covers everything from literally from mopeds to Harleys. Yeah, to there was and... legit mopeds in the yeah, one that you gave me. Yeah. And it was... I've never seen such a badass picture of a moped. Yeah, I was seriously. like, dude, this is awesome. Because like the, you know, the, the phrase punk rock is used pretty frequently, but like, it's kind of like against the man. Cause it started in the orange mm-hmm. County choppers, fat wheel, airbrush, you know, billet wheel. I was going to bring, I was going to bring up the orange County choppers to Yama over here, but I was like, maybe we'll stay <laughs> off that subject. Yeah, I grew up watching. Yama's going to throw the chair. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. So like Dice was born in that era, right? I uh, and then there actually was something called Slot Mag, which is because Dice used to do a lot of supplements. Uh, they did the skateboarding supplement, then they did the Slot Mag supplement because both uh, Dean and Matt Davis, who uh, who has passed away, uh, they worked together. They were best friends, and they made these supplements because like Matt drove like a '55 Chevy Gasser for a while, and like did like 
all these things. So any, basically, they would like feature these vehicles they, that were either boats or cars or vans or just other tricycles, whatever they think would be cool. Anyway, this spring, Dean was like, hey, Joey, let's, let's make this project. That'll be a supplement to DICE. It's going to cover basically the rest of the things that we find cool that aren't motorcycles. They can be, you know, mini bikes and stuff. I can make it in there. But, like, he says, do you want to be involved? And, of course, I say, hell, yeah, let's do it. He's like, all right, here's the first issue. We This weekend, I want you, I'm going to fly to Omaha, Nebraska, and you're going to shoot this crazy, you know, you're going to oversee a shoot on this crazy competition coupe that was a, basically like Pearson Brothers, SoCal Coupe, something that was built in the 50s. But you're gonna go that you're we're, we're gonna fly out to Omaha, you're gonna oversee this shoot, and then you're gonna come you're gonna collect all the data and all the information and all the photos and all the stories, and all the interviews, you're gonna come back to San Francisco, you're gonna write it. Uh and then you and you and uh this great photographer, awesome photographer and amazing guy, John Cobb, you guys are gonna work together, shoot this car. So this was on a Thursday. Next thing you know, I'm on the flight to Omaha. I dropped everything, flew out to Omaha shot this car and got to tell like got to really know tom sakura jr and his dad tom sakura senior and these just elect and then met john cobb and just like this these electric personalities behind this car and to see how much it meant to represent this area of omaha and to dig up one of the craziest piece of hot riding history i've almost ever seen but kind of like with yama's panhead where as soon as the shoot on the panhead was over, Yama was ripping apart. These guys said, you guys need to shoot it this weekend because it's coming apart tomorrow to get ready for Trog. And lo and behold, I, and I, we, the story follows up when I saw them at Race of Gentlemen last weekend or the weekend before. So they did it, and I'm super proud of them, and they, they kick ass. They're some of the best people. But essentially, this turned into this 16-page supplement in the middle of Dice, and we were able to... Jimmy killed it in the layout. It's basically a magazine in the magazine. And I got to tell the long form story that I wanted to tell. This kind of story I love to tell where you have not just facts and figures on this car. You have the people, the places, these old photos that you get everywhere from the museum, American Museum of Speed in Lincoln, or you get from, you know, various sources where you're able to dig them up and put them together and then, you know, you have the old club jacket. You have all these pieces that make up this car. It's not, you know, it, it's, I mean, it was, it was really, it was pretty beat up, but it was the one that he had seen as a kid. So was that the one that he saw in the garage? That's the one that's oh, exactly on his BMX bike. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they had me go out there and be a part of that. I mean, I was hooked. I'm like, this is slot mag. So anyway, we did that and it all ended because they said, all right, like you're overseeing the shoot. So, I said, we got to end this thing with a bang. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? You know, Dean from Dice, and you guys have seen Dice. Subtlety is not really their thing. So I said, you know what we're going to do? Road flares. So for the final leg of the shoot, we went in front of this killer old uh, Union Pacific Museum or train station in downtown Omaha. And I, Tom and I had gone to O'Reilly's early that night, but six or eight road flares and we got those things and we were lighting them off and running around and john was on the camera with a lung exposure so the opening page the the masthead of that is this photo with this smoky red glow 
around this crazy old competition coupe with some Omaha business in the background and it the whole thing that was that was the biggest thing that I took away from that magazine was from the very first cover and every single page and to include once you flip it over and all of a sudden you're in the slot mag and that like what you're talking about is just total you're not just taking a picture of the car total 100% you can tell that every single page was methodically thought out of how can we make this look as artistic and just beautiful as possible that's right and i think the thing about slot mag is that we try to make it pretty minimalist uh in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but also we're max because the you know you make a minimalist layout to maximize these images either the historic photos or the photos that john took or the photos that i took and you're able to tell the story of this car i mean think about this what 55 i mean like you're looking at like decades and decades over half a century of history they got to condense into 12 or 16 pages yeah. i feel bad i don't remember how many pages it is, but like you're trying to condense in that it's like every photo and every word has to carry a lot of weight because right. this is your chance to show these people this car and the fact that we and are, also what are what are you dealing with as far as like word space right that's exactly so i was able to 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 take a run at it as with the length i felt fit it was longer than most things that appear in dice i uh, but it was you know more of a, like slightly shorter than a rotter's journal length thing but dean said hey tell the story and we're gonna work the layout uh to make it happen so they were we had so much fun making that so anyway, that came out in this maybe in the summer either spring or summer so we did that and so dean and i are we we work together on this i guess i'm in the the editor-in-chief role there and he's in the public guess role, which is huge you, you, <laughs> yeah let's let's not let joey downplay this Just going say, back to being like yeah. bragging on our friends and being proud of them like let's i guess i'm in the edit no let's That's not let him cr- down cr- crushed by the weight of big the, deal dude yeah i yeah. so i'm excited that we're gonna take it into 2022 and we're try we're working on the path for how we want to do it i uh, i'm in the the brainstorming phase right now of figuring out what we're trying to do with the magazine and how we're going to grow it. We just started our Instagram the uh, like a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, go follow we're, we're slot, at mag, slot mag. At slot yep. mag. And I, I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some important meetings coming up about editorial direction as well as actually what it's going to look like because the talk is making it a standalone magazine. So it's, you know, I guess I'm kind of just <laughs> Joey down playing thing. Dude, that's a big deal. Yeah. Congrats, dude. Thank you. Thank deal. you. So, and we're really excited to build this thing because I mean, I've loved print from the last podcast, you know, I've loved print my whole life. I I've, mean, this is one of those things that you've been dreaming about, at least true. talking yeah. about since I've met you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. You've and talked about building your own. Yes. Magazine. Yeah. That's, that's the building your own is a thing. Cause, cause dude, it's, it's a hundred percent rad to be working for somebody and being able to, you know, express your vision and everything through that. But it's another level to just like we were talking about with my shop being able to create your own space and your own thing yeah, and just right. put put all your creative elements that you've just been gathering up through your whole 28 years that you've been on this earth and put it into one thing. That's and, awesome. Dude. And, and being, thank you. And being able to work with Dean, who's such He's a good friend such of mine. He's a cool guy. He's you, you guys, you gotta meet Dean. Mm-hmm. He's the man. I, in having someone like that who has, you know, year, I mean, what 90, 95 issues of dice. I mean, yeah, yeah, 95 is in the works right now. Making 95 issues of um, the Chopper magazine that set the bar for that stuff. I mean, like, 
And that is like the standard. That is it. I mean, it's yeah. the Rotter's Journal of Chopper magazines. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, and th- I mean, I when I build bikes, I look at stuff in dice. And I'm like, yeah, that's how people do it. And from a hit, they have awesome history. I mean, the hist- I don't ever use the word awesome, but like it has really, really amazing historical articles, new builds, and all these things. And to have someone who's so knowledgeable and supportive on the t- that fact that I'm working for him with him as this like creative endeavor to tell the stories of all these things. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I, I think we're, we want to, we're talking about doing it as a biannual. So, you know, we'll, we'll do two issues a year. I'd like, you know, maybe I'm sharing too much, but I think it'd be really fun to do. We'd like to do one. I think by the middle of 2022, they'd come out and it'd be fun. I, and that's the number one goal of this project is to have fun and, Judging from the first Omaha article, there's a lot. Popular. There's a lot yeah. of fun to be had. So and just looking at the trip that they just did in his 32, it's just like, yeah. Oh man. And and with with all of these, uh, whether it's my work with Ride Tech, Jalopy Journal, Rotter's Journal, Slot Mag, Dice, Speed and Culture, Hop Up, whether it's with with <laughs> any of these. <laughs> Mazimoto, uh, yeah. Atomic, Atomic, of course, Atomic Age Alchemy, my original favorite. Any of these channels, am I forgetting any? Uh, working with any of these, the best part, we're living it. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Is that mm-hmm. the best? I've always told a long time ago. The best way to do, you know, you're gonna do your best writing when you're talking about something about something you're passionate about, or like the fact that there's an opportunity to document. I mean, some of my favorite. My, one of my favorite eras of the magazine stuff, everybody says, oh, I really like Hot Rod in the 50s. I like this. I love Rod and Custom Magazine in the early 70s when there was the resurgence of traditional hot rods where these guys were choosing to have flatheads. And you could have a 350 Chevy or you could have a big block Chevy. You could do all these things, but they chose to have flatheads, 39.4 transmissions, quick changes, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I, that was like the immersion. So I was like Bud Bryan, I... Uh, Jim Jake Jacobs and then he camp roadster and like all these elements that that era, those guys, they were hot rodders first and journalists second. And they produced some of the best writing on hot rodding that I'd anybody's ever seen because they were driving to the street rod nationals in their, in, yeah. in the first, in the knee camp roads, the first America's most beautiful roadster car. They were riding in Bud Bryan's project 29, which is a, 29 Roadster on 32 rails, the car that they built for the magazine. They were living it and they were just telling their story and Rod and Custom gave an outlet to do it. And I think that I, we're going to, that's a magical era. We won't ever be able to reproduce it. But I think in what we're doing with, or what I'm trying to do with my publication, with my works that I've been, my things I've been working on, just live it and share it. And maybe you can someone get a smile or get a laugh or feel something along the way. And like, I know your podcast does that without a doubt. And I know your YouTube series, Yama does that without a doubt. Where like, if you can just spark a little bit of joy for someone and they can live it again. I mean, think about what you just said about like how in the seventies there was this resurgence of classic cars being built again. I mean, that's what's happening right now. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we have the choice of either buying a brand new Mopar whatever yeah with x amount of yeah. horsepower yeah. and brand new brakes and this that and yeah. the other but like or like the same with harley's like i could buy a brand new pan america whatever it is but no 
I choose to build this like super old bike that <laughs> yeah. is like the labor of love leaks and, over yeah. every, you know, like and like you know every single nut and bolt yep. of your car of your car of my bike you know and yeah. if it breaks you know exactly what you need to do to fix it that's right and that's where the joy of it all comes yeah from. so true but that's all right guys what are we what are we what else what else <laughs> did you guys have in mind that you like because a lot of times I'll get to the end of one of these and I'll be like, oh, I should have brought this up. So, like, coming into this, what are some things that you guys wanted to bring up or talk about? Anything at all? Any shout-outs you want to give or anything? Oh, no. look, at, see, Yama's got something. I can see it on his face. I'm going to ask Yama a really hard question. Are no, you, no, I'm oh, just kidding. Like, oh, <laughs> he's ready. He's ready for it. <laughs> it's like, what is it going to be? Uh, well, if you haven't already, go check out the YouTube channel. It's growing like crazy mm-hmm. right now. Um, we are going to be doing a giveaway very soon. Um, it's probably going to be a gas tank, a <sighs> gas tank and fender set. Um, and we're going to have with a live video, a sketchy live video. It'll <laughs> 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 cut off randomly when you yeah. go to pick the winner. 45. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> it paused. It paused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and we're going to have some new merch coming out very Sweet. soon. Sweet. We're doing a whole new drop of brand new merch and we're cutting out all our old merch for the time being. Um, so look out for that. And, uh, if you have an idea of what you want on your bike or for your bike and you want a custom build, please contact us. Mm-hmm. Where, where can they contact you? Mazimoto.com. Okay. Where, where can they get your YouTube channel, all that stuff? Mazimoto.com. Mazimoto.com. <laughs> you can also follow Simple. us on Instagram. It's what is the Instagram? At Mazi.moto. Oh, that surprised me. I thought it was going to be something different. <laughs> Mazimoto. <laughs> I, sense yeah. a, I sense a trend. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That theme. All right. What about you, Joey? Uh, Shout out stuff you want to talk about, bring up. Dude, you get hey, you guys didn't drive all the way from San Francisco and not on the way be like thinking like, hey, here's something that I wanted to like mention or talk about in the podcast. Like, I honestly didn't know this, I was gonna this, be on this until you tagged me. <laughs> until you tagged me. I Mazzimoto. mentioned I mentioned Oh it. Joey, Joey got you in. I yeah. so so the only reason the only reason you weren't gonna be in it is because I didn't know you were coming. Once uh, I found out once Joey yeah. told me you were coming, I was like, Oh, dude, because I've seen your YouTube channel and everything. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I don't need any convincing, Joey. He's yeah. coming, he's <laughs> on it. Yeah. He's on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would say, you know, I think it'd be really important to get more people behind the slot mag thing because I think people are kind of unsure. They're like, is it a motorcycle magazine? Is it a car magazine? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this thing? Uh, that So we're just at, like, at slot mag. I, I think it's slot underscore mag. And, and underscore and back to the... you can't put a hyphen on Instagram right. in your name. Back to, like, what you were saying of as far as, you know, is it a motorcycle magazine? If you are a traditional hot rod guy, you will appreciate... Dice, one hundred percent. I'm telling you right now, because I agree. I see where people are coming from, but if you are a traditional hot rod guy, if you're going to be somebody who's into what Slot Mag has to offer, you are not only going to appreciate the section of Slot Mag, you're going to appreciate the whole entire magazine. Thank Guarantee. You. Yeah. Thank you. Very true. Thank you. So yeah, between the Slot Mag, Slot underscore Mag, uh, Instagram page, which is coming up. I uh, again tune into the jalopy journal i read a column every friday i've been doing it for eight and a half years now eight and a half years i've written we know i was in the hotel room 
last night after driving all day. Yeah, I was tight. You know, uh, Yama was watching uh, Law and Order SVU. Uh, there's some, <laughs> I should have been working. <laughs> there's some, there's some courtroom drama. And what was I doing? I was writing Jalopy Journal. Yes, you dedication, are. Uh, dude. Yeah, I guess so. No, I, I love it. And working for Ryan Cochran has been one of the best things of my mm-hmm. whole life because he's the man. Thank you, Ryan. I uh, yeah. Between so there's Slot Mag and there's uh, Jalopy Journal and make sure to you know check out the Rotters Journal still. I'll see, there might be something coming back again. Stay tuned for that. I, uh, my buddy and I, if you are more into the roadside America thing, which I feel like as, as hot rodders, you know, I think most of us tend to love neon signs is like, yep. you, love, you love neon signs, motels, kind of those roadside treasures, estate sales, mid-century modern. Right. Uh, so atomic age alchemy is good page. Follow thank up. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. My, uh, one of my best friends in the world, Nick, uh, who has an amazing BSA he's building. I, uh, that's that's another channel that we enjoy that's a really fun almost like behind the scenes from my travels that i do a lot with ride tech where i'll be on the road and i'll be stopping by a great you know ice cream place or i'll be you know at a great motel or do all these things where i say man i really like this sign or i really like the look of the pool area at this place and that'll end up on yep. a job for me so that's a lot of fun uh to do that um and then there's just I, re- I really want you to meet my buddy Colt Bowden, who's a sign painter. Oh, yeah. Because with you being yeah. into the whole sign thing, like right. you I, you guys would totally get along. I was telling him For the sure. same thing. He just yeah. got back from this whole trip going to Utah and California on this whole sign painting thing. Amazing. But wow. yeah, um, hopefully it'd be cool if, uh, I think he'll be back Saturday. So cool. it'd be cool if you guys could at least get a chance to say hello, maybe yeah. come by the shop or something. Because yeah. he's a cool guy and I know you guys would. Definitely. That's it. Yeah. Into the same thing. He's that panel truck that's in the shop right now. That's his. Nice. Yeah. Oh, a sign painter with a panel truck. What yeah. could be better than that? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I always trail off, forget a million other things. I Well, once we turn the podcast off, then we'll, we'll remember we'll, a whole we'll bunch of things. <laughs> yeah. But as a whole, I, I just think it's really, you know, there's just so many people to thank. And I find myself like on that, when I was on Classic Art Corner, I mean, I could have spent the whole 37 minutes just saying thank you to everyone mm-hmm. because without this amazing support of people, that's what happened. Anyway, I won't get too preachy here, but that, that's, uh, I, I've just recently been feeling really lucky uh, as I drive my car yep. and as I ride my motorcycle and do all that stuff. And anyway, it, it's all been really positive. Uh, anyway, that, that went off. Well, off, dude, off the tell you what, there's, there's nothing better than then Yama and Joey showing up with a Model A Roadster on the back, <laughs> coming on to get ready to go racing tomorrow at North Palm Speed, Charlie Haskell and Kelly Haskell, uh, field drags, and then like coming here doing the podcast, having some pizza and beer. Dude, thank you for having nothing back. Absolutely. So, thank, thank you guys so, so much, much for, for coming us. on. Let me so, just yeah. say one last thing. Absolutely. We're li- Mazimoto is currently looking for a new home. So if anybody in the San Francisco area knows of a warehouse space, get this or guy a hooked up. Space, yep. Please let us know. Please. Yep. Mazimoto.com. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, seriously, like like, like I was telling you, that's the type of work that I like to see, you know. Yeah. It's right up my alley. So I look forward to, um, like I was telling you guys, announcement. Uh, my good friend Gary Emery gave me a panel truck. He just randomly is like, yeah, I got a panel truck. You want it? <laughs> he's like, he tells me it's been in California for 30 years no better place for it to be really. yeah he's like he's like i think it's still there as far as i know but if it's still there you can have it and so uh yeah so he came by today and he's like it's still there he showed me all the pictures of it it's this rusty i gotta show you guys pictures yeah. rusty old body but really solid you know not 
Yeah. It's just surface rust, graffiti all over it. Dude, it's so awesome. It's like, you go pick it up and it's yours. So so uh, when I when I go down to go pick up my new panel truck, uh, I'm going to have to come by and visit you guys. And I've never been to San Francisco. You're so, you're, yeah, you're I want to come for, by and visit you guys. We'll, oh, yeah. We'll have a yeah. good time. It'll be one of those things i got to be there for a little bit. We'll get yeah. you hooked on a motorcycle. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, I, I've ridden a motorcycle before. Yeah, but we'll, we'll rip the road. But not that type. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, and we'll get you. We'll get you uh, driving and racing double trouble, dude. Yeah, You're gonna have a lot of fun tomorrow. Hopefully, I don't break it. It'll be, <laughs> dude. If you, if you, honestly though, if you break it, it's just we all we all recognize as people who drive these cars. Same, yeah. probably same thing with your bikes. It was just like the inevitable, and you just yep. happened to be the unlucky bastard who was in the seat when yeah, it happened. Right. But it wasn't anything well, you did. You know, we can always pull the crank. That's yeah. right. And uh, that's right. Build it. <laughs> Not yep. a matter if it's a matter of when, right? It's exactly right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We're at this is first off Friday the thirteenth podcast. Okay, but also <laughs> we set we set two first three. Three first trends for the podcast. We had our first reoccurring guest. Well, I guess I can't say that because we had Mike. Mike, But technically, I can't really count that because the first one, I feel so bad. It was so horrible. And that was 100% my fault. Just the audio (laughs) quality was horrible. So really, I consider Mike's second one to be his first one. Reoccurring guest, two people at once for the first time. And also the longest podcast. That's that's all you guys. We're at just over two hours right now. Oh man. But I mean (laughs) of us just rambling. Of just us. (laughs) Hey, it's been it's been a lot of interesting stuff and I know that people are gonna really like what you guys have to say. And we can't have you guys come all the way from San Francisco. And usually I try to keep them at about an hour. But there's two people, so you guys yeah. each got yeah. your own hour. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that. <laughs> right. Just split the podcast. Yeah, split yeah, the yeah, podcast. Part one and yeah. part two. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys again for coming on the show. I look forward to having both you guys again, and I look forward to uh, coming and visiting you guys in yeah. San Francisco. Hell yeah. It's been oh, a blast. Well, thank you, Noah. We appreciate yeah. it big time. Yep. Yeah, let's go spend some vinyl and talk about hot dogs. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs>